Blog Talk Radio. Opinions collide. That's right. You are locked in for the next two hours to Dead in Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show, but you can actually be a part of the show and participate in tonight's discussion. Uh, just log into our chat room. Our chat room is always open and it's always interactive. Just go to blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. If you're on Twitter, hit us up on Twitter at dead end sports. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at dead end sports. Uh, you can also follow us individually. You can follow me at 12 Kyle. You can follow Ken at KBINGE. You can follow B at BZ430. And you can follow FIFO at FIFO247. Uh, if you're on Facebook, go to our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page. Keep up with sports updates and things of that nature. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Dead End Sports. Pretty simple. Uh, we're also featured on iTunes. Subscribe to us there. As well as Stitcher Radio. Uh, so plethora of ways to keep up with us. And most importantly, we have a YouTube channel. That features all of our videos uh, as well as our podcasts as well. Uh, YouTube.com backslash Dead End Sports. Make sure that you watch, subscribe, and share. It's just that simple. Again, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Man, there's a lot to talk about. I'm going to be honest. Two hours really probably isn't enough <laughs> tonight. Uh, a lot of things we could talk about. Uh, we could talk baseball if you want. We could talk hockey if you want. Uh, golf is in the news. Tiger Woods is in the news. We had a, a we, we had a potential no hitter the other day. Excuse me, a perfect game the other day, broken up by a bootleg play. Um, so if you want to talk about that, you call in and talk about that. Hey, it's the People Show. Whatever you want to talk about, but mostly tonight we will be focusing on the NBA Finals. I uh, want to first and foremost apologize. We A lot of people hit us up and asked what we're going to do a video. Uh, scheduling conflicts, to be honest, we just could not get it together. Uh, guys got lives, 
man. So you know, we <laughs> we got half the crew out of town, and you know, so it's it's um it was a bit much for us to try to get a video, but we're definitely going to be talking about the NBA Finals tonight, as well as the NBA Draft, uh, which is coming up on Thursday night as well. So hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Of course, I will not be doing this show alone. Got my partners in crime first. Let's go to the point guard of the crew. My man, FIFO. FIFO, what's good, man? Yo, yo, yo. What's good, Kyle? Chillin', man. What's up with you? Man, shit. Tired as hell, man. Tired as hell. Got to cut through. No days off today? All these snakes out here. Oh, man. Who you telling? (laughs) (laughs) It's hot outside, bro. It's hot Uh outside right now. Hey, next up, the Batman, a guy who's actually filling in for our boy B. B is on the way back from the D, went up to Detroit for a couple of days. Uh, filling in for B is the sixth man, our boy Q. Q, what up? Good, everybody. Yo. What's going on, man? We're good. Chilling, man. Hang on. True, true, true. Last but not least, uh, the captain. Let's bring on the captain of the crew, our boy Ken. Ken, what up? Hey, excuse me. What's up? What's going on? You Sorry, right, man? man? I'm still a little bit uh. Nah, man. Remember, I got that. I'm just now recovering from strep throat. Yeah. Um, man, I've been down since uh, it hit me Wednesday night, and ever since Thursday, I, I've been uh fighting this off, and uh, it's it's been rough, bro. Um, I, I've never dealt with anything like this before in my life. It, it's it's incredible. I haven't eaten anything. I've been able to eat anything since Thursday night when I thought it was just a regular cold right. or exhaustion from lack of sleep watching the, the playoffs. But nah, man, I, yeah. I went to the, uh, at the urging of the wife, I went to the doctor <laughs> uh, uh, Saturday. And, and really it was, it was, all right, let me go ahead and get this out of the way because what? you won't stop. But the honest truth about it, is I went for more pain medication because I was running out. We had hot, you know, I got 800 milligram ibuprofen here. They were not working. I had, um, wow. I had, she had some old stuff, uh, some hydrocodone, and I was taking two of those, and it was barely working. And um, and eventually I woke up that Saturday morning, and she was like, yeah, we're going to have to switch back to the ibuprofen. I was like, well, that shit ain't working. So I was like, all right. So I was like, you know what? Fine. If I go to to the doctor, I know that they'll give me a prescription. They'll treat whatever right. it is. At least we'll know what it is, and you know that'll be that. So found out it was streptococcus bacteria, and um and I got what I needed: pain medication. Man, I walked out of the doctor because they, you know, I beat me up and stuff, and they did a drip of yeah. antibiotics, and they had treated it aggressively with steroids and stuff like that, and then they uh they gave me some type of uh pain medication. And I walked out, I I, I felt fine. <laughs> but I couldn't eat anything. You know, you eat anything, drink anything, you know, your throat burns and sore. And then all of a sudden that right. wears off, and then you have to go to their pain medication. And I got this numbing agent, which which basically is like an antiseptic that, that numbs everything. So you got to take that precaution because you choke yourself. It's been a living nightmare. I, 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 I had fever. I was hallucinating. No lie. My <laughs> And, and what? I, <laughs> nah, like the fever, because it was the fever. My fever was 100.8. I 
I had, my blood pressure was 151 over something, and my the resting state for my heart was 120. It spiked as high as 127. My oxygen levels dropped uh, down as low as 80. So anytime I swallowed, you can look at the monitor and, and see my heart would race upward. I didn't feel it, but it would because it, the pain, the fighting off the infection. So Friday and Saturday, and it kind of started Thursday, you know, the fevers were really on me. So so throughout the night, because I was, every hour I would wake up and, and change because I'm, I'm sweating. But right. in the morning sometimes, man, the way this dresser is positioned, it creates a silhouette. And man, dude, I would be in here seeing stuff. I, I saw a dinosaur. I thought, <laughs> I thought I saw Iron Man at one point. I was out of it, man. I didn't see anything this morning, so that's a good sign. But at first, I was like, because I woke up, I was like, man, I am fucking tripping. Why am I seeing shit on my track? Wow. I, I, I have been going through it. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, that's been me, man, since last Thursday. It started Thursday morning. I woke up. And now I'm able to actually have a smoothie and um, got a protein shake. So I, I'm I'm better. I think tomorrow I'll be good and be back at work at Thursday. So it's, it's been an adventure, man. It's been a Sounds like it, man. Well, glad, glad to hear you all right, bro. Sounds like you about to check out. Can't, can't touch the kids. <laughs> I, hey, they got me locked in the back room. Before, man. It, it ain't, it ain't, I, no, I, I didn't go through the hallucinating, but, um, but yeah, it, it's not. It, it ain't nothing to deal with. And and, and you, anybody knows, it, being sick, especially when it's hot, that's terrible. I mean, like nobody wants to be sick when it's hot. And it, and trust me, I don't know where you are, all of you listening, where you are across the country or across the world. But here in Atlanta, it's been no less than 94 every day for the last week. And I think this week right yeah. here is supposed to top out like 99. I think on Friday. So, um, but Clint, but Ken is here. Uh, like I said. Pfo's in the building, and our boy Q Six Man is sitting there for B, who is on his way back from Detroit. Hopefully, he makes it back safe and will join us on next week. Uh, the phone number to call in six four six four seven eight zero three five six. A lot of stuff to get into, man. Let's get it started right there, man. We have a new NBA champion, the Golden State Warriors. Get it done. Six games, uh, four to two. They take out the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, we, we, when we spoke last, uh, we did a show last Monday uh, because game uh, game six was uh, Tuesday night. Uh, we did a show last Monday, and we, we titled it, you know, for either 48 minutes to a championship or a game seven, and obviously we did not get a game seven. So let's start right there, man. Um, if you – and I'll start, I'll, I'll start first with you, uh, Q. Uh, why do you think the Warriors were – Successful in the finals, not just in Game Six, but just throughout the finals. And then it's a two-part question: And do you think they will repeat? First of all, they will not repeat. Um, second off, they were the more healthy team. They were the better team. They had more mm-hmm. playmakers, and it really comes down to that, man. Like Kyrie. Fractured his kneecap first game, and it was that was all she wrote. You know what I'm saying? Like Delhi, everyone had that little hype about Delhi for those two games. That was, you know, that was great defense. Uh, but 
we all were acting like, you know, he was the second coming of the glove or something, man. I'm, I don't even know what that was about. <laughs> um, but, you know, he shut down, shut down, you know, apparently, uh, Curry for those two games. But Curry still had, had numbers to check those stats. Um, but, man, man, like the Cavaliers, they just were not stacked up. The Golden State Warriors had more players and they had stacking up against the players that Cleveland had at that moment. They had better players. LeBron James could only do so much. Uh, it was a valiant effort, but the team that was basically destined to win it when Kyrie went down won the you know they won it all. It's simple as that, and they will not repeat. I'll say that one more time, and I'll give you a reason because you have to take into account um, one the free agency moves that could happen. We know we've gotten a lot of buzz of uh, Lamarcus Aldridge going to San Antonio or, or Dallas. That's a move. Uh, you have to think about KD. And Russell Westbrook coming back healthy, you know, God willing, uh, they'll get back to where they were uh, two years ago uh, in the playoffs. Uh, you have to think about Portland, where they will be. Uh, Wesley Matthews was a big blow to that team. So basically the gist is that the West is going to get stronger, and they're going to – it's just going to be a shootout in the next year because all I know that the Clippers – if they have any fight in them, they, they 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 will come back with blood in the water. They know that blood is in the water for for them. They have to come back. Houston has to get better. And as each day passes, a new team is going to keep getting better. So that's just the nature of the West. And the Golden State Warriors, great effort. Love the fact that they won it. And that's why I predicted it in six games, to be exact. So, yeah. Okay, okay. What about you, FIFO? Um, you, now, you didn't pick Golden State, but, but what, what do you think about their overall performance in the finals, and do you think they will repeat? Um, I thought that they had a great season, just overall, including the playoffs and the finals. Um, and I think you have to attribute that to, first of all, the personnel on that team. Um, a lot right. of moves that they made were not um, – not 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 enjoyed by that fan base at first. You know, uh, Monte Ellis was a crowd favorite. They got rid of him. They brought in Andrew Bogut. Uh, they made a lot of moves. They drafted well. Um, they brought in Sean Livingston. And they also were able to have their own talent grow um, in terms of Clay and Steph. You know, those are the two pillars of that team. Um, they also made the move for David Lee. And, you know, the Q's point, man, they had the most playmakers and they were one of the most healthiest teams, which is the reason right. for their success in the finals. And when it came down to it, it was the best player versus the best team. You know, and that best team had a top two player in the NBA. Let's be honest, outside of LeBron James, the next best player this season, some can argue Anthony Davis, maybe of the Marcus Cousins, but it was Steph Curry. He was the MVP right. this year. So um, I have to give it to him. And, and realistically, all season, nobody could shut him down. Yeah, Delhi had, you know, a couple of good games of playing good to great defense on him. But at the end of the right. game, great offense beats great defense. You know what I'm saying? That's why offensive players always get paid more than defensive players. And we gave the MVP in the finals to a guy that was playing, quote-unquote, great defense on somebody that averaged 36 points on him. So I, hey, know, and we – and we're going to so, get to that in a second. <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. But can Golden State repeat? 
Uh, they have an opportunity to. Hey, look, they're bringing back 95% of that team. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yes, they have an opportunity to repeat. Um, the West is tough, and it's always going to be tough. But the way that they play, the personnel that they have will allow them the opportunity to repeat. You know, sometimes you might have a champion that's like, eh, you know, they kind of got lucky or everything fell in the right place, which it did. But let's be honest. Now they have experience. They've had three. This has been two, three, maybe years in the, in, in the coming, and they finally got over that hump. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, and we don't know what's going to happen with free agency. You know, I've been talking about LaMarcus Aldridge going to San Antonio. That is huge. You know, um, we don't know what rookies are really going to have an impact. Because let's say if the Lakers go Jaleel, they all of a sudden get maybe a Rondo and some other veterans, they might be in the picture again if Kobe comes back. So there's a lot of variables. I think um, it's too early to say that they are going to repeat. But I give them, I give them, you know, I, I give them the odds. To me, they're the favorites to come out of the West, hands down to me. Because realistically, who else, who else are we going to put there? We've seen the Clippers debacle. You know what I'm saying? They, they can't finish four quarters. And that, this is two, almost three years straight now. You know, um, San Antonio is always getting older. Um, OKC, we honestly have to question the durability of their stars. So right. th- th- there's a lot of them. And, and let's be honest, Portland is nothing without the market. They are nothing without LaMarcus Aldridge. So I, I don't know, but I give Golden State the best shot to come out the West next year. My man, Ken, what about you, man? Uh, you didn't pick him either, but as far as Golden State, man, what do you think about their overall performance in the finals, and, and, do, and what do you think about their chances of repeating? I thought it was gritty, um, and I thought that, you know, they were placed in a situation that they haven't been in before. Um, you know, going to what people say, yeah, a lot of things did bounce their way. You know, uh, Drew Holiday was hurt. Uh, Patrick Beverly was lost for the year. Uh, San Antonio got knocked out. The Clippers got knocked out. All of these things happened. Uh, Conley was hurt. So, and 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 going back to what Q said earlier, and they were just healthy. And that's not yeah. their fault. You know, you can't penalize them for that. You know, they you know they just that that was an advantage that they had, and they took advantage of it, and it got them to the finals. And then they get to the finals, and then Love and Kyrie is out. So you know, um, so so yeah, so they they a lot of things happened that seemed to bounce their way. Steve Steve Curry even admitted that, and and anybody watching would, would you know know that as well. But the fact of the matter is, throughout the whole year, they were the best team in the NBA, and you cannot deny that. And, and they played that way uh, consistently. So they were going to be a tough out in the finals. The only thing that I probably had to had knocking about would have been OKC, and I'll, I'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But for them to come into the finals facing against a, a, a team that really was down to one, facing a defense that they didn't prepare for, um, it took them a while to figure it out. And and what what happened to me and what changed that series was, was Delhi. And it was game three, right? We were watching it all together. And yeah. 
we're sitting there watching this and we're all dumbfounded that this has happened for this long. You know, when, when, when I put Delhi out there coming into this series as, as a key guy to, to, you know, to not slow down, shut down Curry, even though I use those words, it was with the healthy Kyrie because in spots, he could, he could come in and wreck a little bit of havoc to create more, you know, offensive opportunities for Cleveland. Not as a full-time guy. He wouldn't right. be able to, to ask him to sustain that for a series is ridiculous. But for a while, it was working. It worked for three quarters of that game. And the Daily Mania went, went crazy afterwards. Here's how it changed the series. For one, it got Curry upset, and, and Curry still struggled against him uh, outside of the 37-point outing he had. It wasn't like he was still lighting it up. He still had his difficulties. But it wasn't Delhi's defense that the Warriors explored it. Again, I got to give this to Curry. It was Delhi's lack of offense. It was Delhi getting the big head, thinking that he's a better player than what he was. And one of the things that you know, I said is that he has to play within himself and recognize who he was. And I saw in that game, and I started reading the report, I was like, they are going to try and let Delhi beat them. And they are going to turn Delhi into something that he is not. And that was an offensive, offensive score. And and they, done, they did that. And it, it, it made him unplayable because there's good Delhi. There's bad Delhi that goes up and throws an alley oop every time he goes to the ring. <laughs> um, you know, that shoots one legged threes. You know what I'm right. saying? That's not who he is. You can tolerate that in stretches, not during a game, not when every possession counts. So once they turned that against him, because he had one good game, it, it, it was a wrap. And I, and I had a feeling that that was going to happen. They went small. And, you know, all of a sudden, what are you going to do? Um, I also think that David Blatt had a lot to do with it because I say David Blatt and LeBron James, and and I know we're going to talk about LeBron James and David Blatt in, in a second, but um, but David Blatt, man, I think he he fell into Kerr's trap, and he forced uh-huh. the Cavaliers to play their way, and mm-hmm. that's not how he got a two lead, two one lead, and um. And after that, man, it was, it, was, it was a wrap because he can't, he can't play that way. You know, he has to play bully ball. And when he only played Moscow in nine minutes, come on, man. Like, even though you were in the game, and they were in all of these games for the most part, Cleveland, Cleveland was, regardless of what the final score looked like, they were in these games. Um, but just poor possessions by Cleveland, uh, poor coaching decisions by Blatt, and poor execution and uh, by, by the cows when they need and, and lack of making shots, you know, you can't do that against the best team in the NBA. So you have to give credit to Kerr for his ability to, to basically coach his team to, to that win. And the video guy that gave him the idea and Kerr not having an ego to where he wouldn't even try it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's that's a good leader, man, to say, okay, now let's give it a shot. And it changed the series. So um, they were the best team. 
all year, and and they proved why from from the the coaching organization on down to the video guy down to the players on the court and being fully healthy, they they won the series and and deservedly so, and um and the Cavs made it interesting uh, as long as they could. It was very very entertaining and very fun to watch because of what might happen, right. but ultimately they just didn't have enough. They needed uh, without Love, without Irving, and and you know Black playing only so few guys and guys not making shots and stepping up. They didn't, they, they, you know, they didn't, they didn't stand a chance. So, um, and it was fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's why the Warriors won, man. They they won the way they won all year. And they stuck to their principles and they stuck to their guns and they are the NBA champions. And I got to say, you know, while I picked Cleveland, while I was pulling for Cleveland, I did not want to see LeBron go two and four and that was a little painful to watch that happen. Um, it was fun to see someone new win it, a new organization win it. To see a guy like Curry and Clay Thompson uh, win it, even though you know I'm a little salty about what they did to Mark Jackson, I understand. I I, I got to big up the organization uh, for for giving him credit. You know I thought that that was big of them. And uh, there's a guy we were talking to on Twitter who gave us some insight into that whole situation. So um, and we knew it wasn't entirely Mark Jackson's fault, but. You know, it is what it is, but they gave me credit. I thought that was big, and um, and it was it was good, man. It was exciting, and you know, we got a we got a new champion. And can they repeat? Um, I'm with FIFO. I think they'll have the best shot at it because they're bringing mm. back that whole team. The only thing I'm I would caution them with, and minus Lee, yeah. And um, the only the only team I see giving them problems if they can stay healthy. And one of the mentioning would be OKC because Russell Westbrook is going to be a problem. You can't hide from him. Right. <laughs> and if, if they cut their pieces together and they bring back the squad that they had with Kevin Durant, they could equalize a lot of what the Warriors do offensively. But can they play the type of defense they'll need to be able to play in order to win games? Right. So that we'll see. With so, the new coach and Billy um, Donovan, too. Yeah, what what is Billy Donovan gonna do? So I, I forgot about that cow. So, um, but so we, we, we'll see. But uh, but yeah, man, they they got a good chance of repeating. But I don't, I don't. Ah, do I think they'll repeat? No, no. Um, Let me ask you this, Ken. Do you think the champ yeah. comes out of the East next year? Uh, oh, that's hard to say. It's hard to say. And, and it, depend, it depends. I, I kinda, <laughs> I think, oh, no. I think Cleveland has the best shot only because they'll be fully healthy. They've been there. They got LeBron. Kyrie can go toe-to-toe with, with Irvin. Um, he's a special talent. They still got Miles, guys, so they can still go big. Um, love construction for They'll have a shot. If they if they play defense, I got to see how they're playing. Cleveland's the only team I see that stand the shot. We saw what they did with without guys. They managed to get mm-hmm. two. You, you you would realistically at least say this will go seven. Uh-huh. You know? Right. Oh, no question. No question. Now, let me ask you this. I think um, since, since basketball is a game of matchup, when Steve Kerr put Dre, or um, Iguodala in the starting lineup and made Draymond the five, obviously David Blatt, you're 100% right, Ken, and I agree with you, but David Blatt played, kind of played into Steve Kerr's hands with not playing Mozgov. But like I've always said, basketball to me, from a coaching perspective, is ch- 
checkers and chess at the same time. And he played a little bit of checkers. But, again, being hypothetical, if they had Kevin Love, would you have seen a problem with them going Kevin Love at the five, LeBron at the four to match that lineup? Would you have still felt the same way if it was Kevin Love? No, not really, because, I mean, he, he he can grab rebounds, he can run. Um, you know, I, I think defensively he probably wouldn't have been at, you know, I mean, not 7-3, but um, at least he would have been able to match up. and He would have still been able to score um, and stretch the floor. So I, I don't think I would have had that much of a problem with it. I think when you when you take Moskov out, and I don't even, I can't even recall who he played the most, or you playing guys that's not scoring like J.R. Smith or Shumpert, or you got Delhi as your primary. Um, yeah, that's 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 not gonna work. Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, Shumpert slash J.R. Smith, LeBron James, Tristan Thompson, and, and Kevin Love. Yeah, I think you can get Bati to match up with that. You can't match up with Delhi. <laughs> You know, as a guy, because you don't have anybody else to score. And my guy, for, you know, he, he's, he's all right, but he's not really – he can score in the post, but he's not that polished offensively. Yeah, he's and not an option. So, like, like, if my nah. – and, and, and to me, that was a problem in the playoffs. It, and, you know, and I know we're going to talk about it um, with, with the whole Phil Jackson criticizing LeBron's game a little bit, but – you know, and the whole offense in the NBA, but it's realistically, you you can't, you can criticize all you want. Everybody has their own opinion. But how are you going to criticize this team? You know what I'm saying? Yes, they didn't have an offensive system. Yes, they were the most isolation-heavy team in the NBA. Fine, whatever. But at the end of the day, that squad, it's like, how else were they supposed to play? You know, I, I, don't, I don't care if you had the best offensive system in the world. It still wasn't going to beat Golden State. Nah. Right. Yeah, it, it was going to be tough. It was going to be tough all around. I mean, they, they you, you got to tip your hat to Cleveland for, for playing the way that they played because if, if somebody had told you that uh, game one you're going to lose Kyrie Irving. Cleveland or LeBron? Wait, Cleveland or I'm LeBron? sorry. Well, well, yeah. I mean, LeBron was phenomenal. How LeBron I, played? Or how Cleveland played? Oh, LeBron was unreal. Because LeBron was unreal. <laughs> well, yeah, we know, yeah. Cleveland didn't do much. Um, but I think even really just to, to, to get it to a game six was a lot. Um, to answer the question, I think Golden State was just the Golden State was the better team, obviously, like you said, FIFO, the better team against the better the best play the best team versus the best player. Um, and I think I agree with Ken where the series changed and we, we sat and we watched game three and we saw that that, that fourth quarter of game three there was something different in, in Steph Curry. And that, that end of the third quarter, end of, again in the fourth quarter, and where he just exploded for, I think it was 17, 18 points. And he said in his post-game press conference that he figured some things out. And he said he was going to, you know, use it to, to going forward. And I think it was the screens. Really, well, not, well, you know what, it was the screens, but it was also just Golden State's mentality, I think. Because you got to look at Golden I think it was State the screens straight up, though. But but here's my point though, Golden State as a team was down two one to Memphis, and they went on to win the next four. They were down the same with, uh, with uh, you know against Cleveland, and they did the same thing again. That says a lot. And these aren't bad teams that we're talking about. We're talking about 
Memphis, and we're talking about the champs from the East. So I think, you know, you got to give Steve Kerr a lot of credit. I think one thing I heard Steve Kerr say in a timeout was that, you know, they were going to bank on the fact that, okay, somebody's somebody's on the radio down. Like, so, so. Okay, you got it down? Okay. Um, why am I hearing myself? Why am I hearing myself? I don't know. Did y'all hear Did y'all hear Yeah, I hear you. I, I'm, I'm hearing an echo. Like, okay, now nah, I'm not. Okay. Um, I lost my train of thought. So, <laughs> I, I think, please, Steve I think you got to give Golden State. Steve Kerr, you know, he made the adjustments. Uh, he, he said something in a timeout. He said, look, what we're trying to do is we're going to wear these guys down. They're only playing seven guys. And we'll just wear them down. They're going to eventually get tired. And I think what we saw in game five and six was a tired Cavs team. Um, they just didn't have anything left. And they, they fought really hard. But there was just nothing left for them to, to give. Um, but I think Golden State was the, the better team, and they just they did what they needed to do. And like Ken said, we got a new team. You know, um, you know um, I'm going to interject just real quick. I think, um, I think the reason that Steph Curry's awakening, I guess you could say, happened is because Steve Kerr realized that, okay, you don't have to play Delhi straight up. Like, these type of guys who play YMCA defense where they're trying to just lock down and all about footwork and hands up, hand down, man down, those type of models, I think Steve Kerr realized that, okay, you don't have to play one-on-one with this guy because he has quick feet and he has above-average defense. I will say that about Dovadova when he was, I think, I think he had cramps or whatever, and that's really what hindered his defense down the stretch. That and his uh, inept on ineptitude on offense um, was the fact that Steve Kerr started to screen for Steph Curry, started to give him open lanes to the basket, started giving him opportunities to get his shot off instead of just playing one-on-one ball versus Dovadova. And Dovadova and um, David Blatt, they were banking on Steph Curry just saying, no, just let me get him the whole series. But Steve Kerr put his ego to the side. Steph Curry put his ego to, to the side. And they said, we're going to play basketball the way that we play, and we're going to force Cleveland to run with us. I think that was the biggest right. change in the series is that they could not run with them. Iguodala, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Sean Livingston, all those guys – can run the floor like they are about 11 deep and we're not even talking about how most space didn't even play after that terrible miss dunk and he probably shouldn't have but he's more offense that they could have used maybe but you saw how david lee came in the game and he gave them uh trips to the free throw line and they realized that they had to start attacking the cavaliers defense because for one they are not you know uh tony allen uh, Della Vadova, he he fell off after his moment of glory. LeBron James, he can't defend all five positions, man. He can't be out. You right. know, there's only so much Gatorade on the bench. Um, Kyrie's gone, and you saw that they broke down their defense, and it was almost in the point in uh, Game Six where they were just getting wide open dunks, and Cleveland just basically quit. Oh, like they gave Iguodala that dunk. They gave Iguodala that wide open dunk. I knew, the, I knew the game was over. I'm like, this game is done. Like, everyone just froze and let him just dunk the ball. I'm like, this 
series is over. And you have to give credit to Steve Kerr for realizing the matches that, that they had and making LeBron James work for his points. But I know we're going to get into Eagle Dollar in a second, so I'm going to leave it at that. Definitely, definitely. Phone number to call in. 6, 4, 6, 6, 4, 7, 8, 0, 3, 5, 6. Again, 646 4, 7, 8, 0, 3, 5, 6. Uh, you're locked into Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Joined by the fellas, FIFO, Ken, and our boy Q, the six man sitting in. FIFO, I'm sorry, you were saying something? No, no, no. We good because we do got to move on to the next topic. Okay. Um, so I'll start with you right there, FIFO, man. Um, you saw it. <laughs> if you had a vote for Finals MVP, who would you have voted for? Uh, I would have voted for Steph, and this is the reason why I would have voted for Steph. Steph, look, coaches can win you a game if they're a great coach. Mm-hmm. Superstars can win you a game. Superstars bring you back. I think Steph Curry and Steve Kerr did what they had to do. Um, in the first in the first game, look, man, Steph Curry didn't have finals experience to draw from, and Cleveland came out and they attacked them on both ends of the on both ends of the floor. You know what I'm saying? So that first game, okay, you saw what happened. Kyrie got hurt. They won. They pulled it out in overtime. Second game, what? what which game was it where he started pulling? Uh, where, where he started getting hot was it Game Three? Was it game two? Game three. Yeah, end end of game Game three. three. End of game three. That he showed you that it was like, oh, okay, okay. He he is he is the MVP, and this is what he does. And we knew it was gonna come. Let let, come on. All season, this guy has been cooking you. You knew it was gonna come. And then Steve Kerr by starting Iguodala and forcing Cleveland's hand, and your husband said, right, Q. Making them run. I thought that that was the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Yep, yep. Because it, it wasn't was. necessarily Truly getting was. Steph Curry more screens. Because he got a lot of screens. We watched the game. What Cleveland was doing was double teaming hard off of that pick and roll and getting the ball out of Steph Curry's hands and making him into a passer. And Bogut, even though he has great skills, he's not as skillful as David Lee. When David Lee was right. inserted, you put another good to great decision maker. Bogut, he's like an in-the-moment guy. Can he make the passes? Yes. But he's not always as precise as David Lee is. David Lee is an all-around baller. So when they put him in the screen and roll and they gave the ball to him and they went smaller, they already started attacking the Cavs. David Lee got points, jump shots, everything. The offense started to flow in the half court. So why not let's go smaller and see what happens and push the pace? Because I also said, I remember saying while we were there at the restaurant, that they had to speed up the tempo somehow. They got mm-hmm. they got to speed it up. So that's what Steve Kerr did. He sped it up. And at that point, with Cleveland only playing seven guys, you know what I'm saying? But I'm going all the way into what my point, what I wanted to make before you went into the uh, little little break for the – phone number, but um, I would have gave it to Steph, man, because Steph finished out the series. And think about it. He sat out 20 quarters in the regular season, and he showed up in every fourth quarter in the finals. Every fourth quarter. Yep. Look at the numbers. Every fourth quarter. Is, yep. that, is that not what we grade people on? Clutch? When it's two minutes to go, you went 0 for 20-something, and you come back and hit 6 for 6, and oh, my God, it's a game? Is that not what clutch is? So Steph Curry showed up, man. I don't care what 
Everybody says you can't get the MVP. And, and look, Iguodala was the game changer, but to me, that was Steve Kerr. That was Steve Kerr's move. Right. No, man, I, I, I have to give it to Seth. That's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. What, what about you, Q? Uh, MVP, man, if you got one vote. And, and, and for those of you listening, let me remind you guys, uh, Iguodala got – there was a total of 11 votes. Iguodala got seven. LeBron got four. And Steph Curry didn't get any. So Q, if you had, if you're at the table, they're raising the trophy. They come to you and they say, Q, what's your vote? Who you vote for? Who gets your vote? Andre Iguodala. Okay. Andre Iguodala deserved it. He deserved it. I mean, first off, one of the most underrated players that we have in in the game. He's not a superstar. He's on the cusp of being a well-known name, but not really. And, you know, he's kind of a tweener. But in his entire career, he's been the guy who can do everything well, but not the one thing great. He's not an amazing shooter. He's not an amazing defender. But he does – he's he's a Swiss Army knife. So whatever you need him to do, whatever he can help you with, he's going to try. And he's probably going to be very good at it. So to FIFO's point, I do agree it was Steve Kerr, but, I mean, Andre had to go out there and put in the work. So it's not like, you know, he wasn't just out there, you know, making LeBron James work for his points. We saw that Harrison Barnes was getting abused on that block. He was he was going to look like a little boy out there, man. And Iguodala, he gets on that block, and he's what? making LeBron make take uncomfortable shots and making him be great. You know what, that's what, that's what hold on, hold on, hold on, I got you. He said, Iguodala said that, I know that many people would look at the percentages and say, oh, how did I win this award? But when you look at the shots that LeBron James had to make, and this goes back to what Chuck Daly said, Chuck Daly told his Pistons, make Michael be great. You have to make him be great. Otherwise, we're going to lose. By be great, I mean make those tough turnaround fadeaway jumpers that go in the last second like LeBron can, can do. So when LeBron is on that block and Andre Iguodala is defending him and he has a bad percentage of shooting, that affects that team. Let's not act like it doesn't. So just to make him work for his 39 or make him work for his 38, make him work for his, I think he had a 22-point game, 26-point game, those were affecting the game in a huge way. And he was irreplaceable for them. He was irreplaceable because he's his athleticism, his ability to push the ball up the floor when Golden State looked like they were just, you know, you know, they looked like they were kind of scared for a second. I had never seen them look scared in a in a game before. And we saw how LeBron's greatness had kind of stunned them. Like, how can we take on this juggernaut? Iguodala was inserted at the four, I, I believe four, right? And he made everyone around him run with him and get transition buckets. You saw Draymond started to get transition buckets. You saw he was starting to get to the free throw line. That was all a domino effect of inserting Eagle Dollar into the game, playing solid defense, something that Harrison Barnes could not do on LeBron James. Now, now go ahead, Fifi, for a while. I know you want to say something. you saying I, all I hear is solid, good, Swiss Army. But when it came <laughs> down to it, who was great when when they needed exactly. to be? I'm going Eagle Dollar, man. I, I, like, Eagle Dollar, man. He, you know, look, he look, was look, irreplaceable. I, 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 look, I get – look, this, this is the this is the reason why. It, it, Eagle Dollar's playing in the, in, in the perfect storm because you're 100% right. He is – 
the guy that does everything pretty good and is athletic. If you're going to compete for an NBA championship, there is a particular player that you need to have. If you think that you're going to beat LeBron, because half of LeBron's career, he's been in the finals, first and foremost. Six times, 13 years. He's been there half of his career already. So you need a guy that can, that can go at him. And on an athletic level. It doesn't have to be taller, bigger, stronger. Athletically, you have to be able to compete with LeBron. If you have that, then you have a shot. Iguodala is that. I give you that. But he still got 36 on him. Is that not great? Was LeBron not great? So LeBron was great. He did his job. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on now. Go ahead, he did go ahead. his job. He did his job. But... Was he really that great at it? No, he, he played his game. When they needed greatness, Clay wasn't there. Yeah, Draymond pushed, and he got a triple-double in game six. He pushed the rock. He became Draymond. That was a Draymond game. But come on, man. Step, step, hold on, hold on. Huh? All right, I think I, think I, I think I know what you're saying, but here's why I disagree. The reason why I disagree and I say that Andre Iguodala was irreplaceable in that series is because he was the lightning rod. Without Andre Iguodala inserted to the four, Golden State is going to seven games. Maybe they might lose the finals. Stephen Curry. You don't have Steph Curry, uh, you're not in the finals. Of course, but that's not, you know, what we're talking about. We're talking about who played the best in the finals and who was irreplaceable. Who was irreplaceable for that team, in my opinion, (laughs) is Andre Iguodala. Irreplaceable? This isn't the MIP award. For two straight finals, for two straight finals, the person who has defended LeBron James has won the Finals MVP. We saw what Kawhi did. We saw what we saw what Iguodala did. He was forcing LeBron James to take tough shots, and yeah, he might have got that thirty-six. But when you jack up forty-nine shots, you're gonna get thirty-six. That's what LeBron said, right? Oh, I can shoot, you know, for seventy points if I shoot hundred shots. He has to. Like, I don't I don't get why people act like, Le- like LeBron James went up in there and he's automatically like this gunslinger. Le- LeBron James' threes were trash in that finals, man. Like, his percentage was not pretty. And the reason why he had to shoot and had to score 36 was because that no one else on his team could. J.R. Smith was a ghost. Iman Shumpert was ghost. Della Vidova, outside of those two games on defense, was ghost. So, listen, it's not act like he's in here, you know, putting on a complete, like, MJ per performance where he's doing great on both defense and offense while shooting a great percentage. <laughs> he was shooting a bad percentage. No, on, and Dollar had to defend him wait, wait, so wait, he wait. could make so, those so tough you're shots. And all it of this is, down to a percentage, a field goal percentage. We're talking about this an all time great finals MVP like like run. LeBron got MVP votes, bruh. Like you're talking about And he shouldn't have on, he shouldn't have. Steph Steph deserved all those those votes. And look, Steph, look, that's a problem, Steph's not getting no votes. Look, all I know is that without Steph Curry in them finals, if Steph would have got hurt, them boys would have lost. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It would have yeah. been, been a sweep. <laughs> I mean, well, that's not, that's, not the, that's not the point of finals MVP. Finals MVP is who's the most valuable player in the finals. Steph Curry's not in the position that he's in if they don't insert Iguodala at the four. He's not in his position to be making all, all those shots, getting hot 
if Eagle Dollar's okay, not so, inserted. So, 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 so you tell me, you all got, right, so if got, Harrison Barnes, if Harrison Barnes is on LeBron James, you tell me that LeBron James does not abuse him? I mean, LeBron abused everybody. He didn't abuse Andre Iguodala, dog. He was getting he he didn't abuse okay. like did y'all even watch the games? Like he didn't you know, abuse hold on, hold on, that. Hold on, hold on. Like, hold on. So we got so we got to vote for we got to vote for LeBron. We got to vote for uh, for Chef Curry. Ken, what about you, man? You got one vote, man. You got one vote. Who who you voting for for MVP? I'm with Q. I'm going AI. Oh, oh man. They don't win that exactly. series without Andre Iguodala. Uh, I'm sorry, um, and and if you guys recall, and people and I, you you and I got got into it a little bit at the at the game where we were watching. I was like, they cannot continue to give Andre Iguodala that shot because he had been making it since game one. His, his game one, he was six of eight. He had been scoring from three. He had been doing some of everything. He was playing great defense in game one. He he, he stabilized that team. Game two, he showed up again. This guy was hitting shots where at one point he was shooting 69% from three, I think, or 60% from yeah. the field. And then, you know, and, and, and he continued that throughout the whole series. And then, but people saw it more when he was inserted into the starting lineup. The shots that people say, oh, you got to give it to him. I'd rather live with him taking that shot <clears throat> and live with the percentages. It backfired. And he kept hitting shot after shot after shot after shot. So, no, I think AI deserve. I think AI deserved it. Not only for what he was able to do offensively, that people to give him credit for when it comes to his jump shot, but even for the defense that he played on him and the stretches that he played the defense on him. You know, because LeBron percentages get dropped when guarded by AI. He abused everybody else. He didn't abuse AI that much, as much as we thought we should have. The guy's been in the league for a while. He's played LeBron for a very, very long time. He's a veteran. At one point, AI, they wanted to be a superstar. So we know he understands the game from multiple levels, from being a guy to now being a role player, et cetera, et cetera. You know but what, his Ken? defense, he was up. AI, when guarding LeBron James, LeBron James for, that, for the entire series that he was being guarded by AI, he shot 18 for 54. I yeah, mean, but I mean, tell me that, you know, that defense is not course, irreplaceable. In the course, come on a, now. In the course of a game, you know what? In the course of a game, Q, how many do outside of them throwing a stat up on the screen? How how do you know when LeBron scores a point on Iguodala or not? You know what, man? You got both the two of you got um, votes for Iguodala. Damn it, I'm going with Curry. Me and me and Fifi. And, and you know what? And me and FIFA hadn't agreed a lot, but I, but I'm a, and FIFA, I'm going to take it back to something you said when we were watching game three. You made the point of, and I forgot to talk about this a few minutes ago, you made the point of, you said, Kerr has to play uh, Livingston more to get Curry off the ball. And he didn't, he started doing it toward the end of game three, and he did it more in game four, and we saw Livingston's minutes go up, and consequently we saw, you know, Curry, I mean, excuse me, Curry, go off. Um, but yeah, man, and there's no disrespect to Andre Iguodala. I think Iguodala played LeBron as well as you could play LeBron. But I have a hard time giving a guy the MVP when the guy he's playing against averaged damn a triple double. 
Are you kidding me? I'm not, no, 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 no. And, and, and LeBron was like out. Don't get me wrong. LeBron, did he did everything that he could have done. And the fact that he is even being mentioned, or actually got four votes for MVP. I'm not mad at if, if they'd given the MVP to LeBron. You wouldn't have got no qualms from me because I think LeBron was just that phenomenal. And I don't. And I've never seen a finals where a losing player was that deserving of the MVP. I've never seen it. Not to say that it, I know that it has happened, but I pro, but I wasn't born when that when Jerry West won it back in the day. That being said, I think it's like I think what we're looking at is. If you look at the points that Iguodala scored, a lot of those points came off the fact that Steph Curry was being double-teamed. I mean, Iguodala got 25 in the last game, but they were all wide-open jump shots. Guess who was guarding him? Mozgov. They put Mozgov on him. They, you know what? David Platt said, you know what? If we're going to lose this game, Andre Iguodala, you're going to beat us. You're going to have to beat us. And you're going to have to beat us shooting jumpers. And he started shooting And he started shooting jumpers, and then he started taking the ball to the basket. And he started getting dunked, oh and, and, and and by the third quarter, it was just a runaway. But I agree with people. Nah, if you don't have Steph Curry in this mm. game, there's no way that Golden State even wins this series. Think about it like this, mm. guys. Where was Klay Thompson the whole series? Where was Klay Thompson, the other splash brother? He, he, had, <laughs> he had five points in yeah. game six. Five. Stayed in foul trouble. He was in foul trouble. Nah, man. You take, you take Steph Curry. You take Steph Curry off that team, not even off the team, if he's ineffective, they lose. They lose. And, 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 and oh, there's no side on Iguodala. Mm-hmm. There's no side on Iguodala. Oh, but you you could have put Harrison Barnes. You could have put Draymond. You could have put – LeBron was going to get hit. And he did. Repeatedly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Curry had man. two points. Y'all crazy. Going into the fourth. Y'all going into crazy. the fourth. Um, of game six, I think Curry only had two points. Curry did not play. Look, look, I, I, I Ken, Curry, Ken, Curry, and I get Curry. what people are saying. Can they and, won by twenty? How do you have? How do you have two? How do you have two points? Are you sure about that? I heard they said he only had two points going into the fourth quarter. He didn't have a great game until he scored like thirteen something. Do I need to look it up, Ken? You can look it up. I may, I may have heard wrong. Look it up. I may be wrong if I am. But. Bro, y'all are crazy. Yeah, I mean, look it up. Verify. Make sure I'm right. But um, Bro, y'all are no wrong. I don't care either way. But, y'all are but, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing real quick. Um, Curry had great four quarters, and I know that's what people was leaning on, is that he showed up when they need him, needed him. But for three quarters of most of that series, he was kind of really non-existent. And and he didn't have the impact that many expected him to have. If AI wasn't around in a lot of those games, they're not they're not winning. It would have been nearly impossible for them to win this series because he kept them. He and along with everybody else kept them in that in the in the game when everybody else was struggling. When Clay Thompson was struggling, when Curry was struggling for quarters, you know what I'm saying and. And AI helped keep them in the game until Curry came along like this knight on a on a, some shining armor to put up all these late minute points, and all of a sudden now he's supposed to be the MP, MVP. No, man, yeah, come man. on, man. We're talking about yeah, a series. This AI did everything that 
you know, he scored that when people thought he couldn't score. He played defense, and you can you can you can toss out the third the triple double. But how much are you, how much credit are you going to give to the defense when the guy he's guarding damn near averaged a triple double? Okay, okay. So Lamar averaged thirty. He averaged thirty-seven, and 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 he could have gotten forty-seven. But first of all, you know all that wasn't scored on uh, Andre Iguodala, right? Uh, You you tell me. You realize that eighteen for fifty-four. He averaged thirty-seven on AI. I'm saying that he didn't average 37 oh, on AI. He 37. Oh, it doesn't matter. We got him on. He averaged 37. Bruh. He averaged 37. But you can't penalize AI if Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and other players are responsible for giving up 20 of but, that. But he, That's you not know, fair thing, AI. If you, if, you if you mention defense, how do you give up – how do you – how do you quantify giving a guy the MVP for his defense played if the guy that he was defending damn near averaged a triple double? I, that he I didn't average the triple double on him, it. Kyle. He didn't. But all right, can can I respond? Because you're being like a scoreboard warrior right now. Like you you are no 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 no. I, and I need somebody to produce these stats that Kenna talking about because you Steph are Curry, I'm looking for. You are completely dismissing the defense as if every shot that LeBron James made with his 37 was on Eagle Dollar. He shot 18 for 54. You do realize that last year when Kawhi was locking him down that series, he shot 58%. In the second round against the Bulls, he shot 39% against Jimmy Butler. He was atrocious. Against Eagle Dollar, he shot 33%. A lot of those shots that he made with his 37 was Let's not even forget, man. Some of those shots were just last-second shots from, like, the freaking half-court line. Some of them were switches where he was going straight now, to the now you're transition excuses. bucket. Making excuses. Let's how was that an excuse? How was that, how was that an excuse? When you shoot 18 for 54. And first of all, why, do we, why are we criticizing Russell Westbrook for going for 54 points? And he shoots down near 50% in a loss. And we're, we're calling him a reckless gunslinger. But when LeBron does it, it's just oh my god! This is, this is this is this is the the greatest finals performance of like what 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 are we really talking about? Are I, we talking about I, his I, I don't know, I, like, no, man, I don't know what what y'all saw from LeBron, but I saw one of the greatest finals performances I've ever seen by an individual, and I've seen every He's, one of Michael. Man, I, man, I don't I, nah, dude. I, I really can't give him that. I can't give him that. Wait, 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 and that's number one wrong. Number one How? wrong. You know why? How? Ken even had to Please bring this me. to my attention. And, and, and Russell Westbrook's magical run, his scoring, doing everything, they were losing. LeBron James. Had, the games. The, wait, 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 wait. LeBron James had the Barons, Cleveland Cavaliers, won two games. And they were really in three. Yeah. And in game four, they was in that too. The only yeah. reason because is LeBron. That's the only reason. I don't care <laughs> if he, he shot got, 18 for 54. He, he still almost got a triple-double because he had to. There was nobody you know to pressure. And they don't you have an offensive why. system. It was relied upon him and his own greatness in their defense. And that's it. Who was guarding him the first this three games? This was stripped down. Come on, man. Who, on, who was man. guarding LeBron James the first three games? 
LeBron still put up numbers in those games. He put up numbers on Harrison Barnes. He shot 18 for 54 with Andre Iguodala got on him. Are we acting like we're we're being completely dismissive of the fact that if Iguodala's not playing on Steph, Steph cannot get his. Steph is not going to get his points if Iguodala is not the lightning rod. He's not the catalyst for the Golden State offense. He's not going to get the monitors over us. He's not going to 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 push the ball. I, I saw them double and trap Steph Curry hard, and the big man would okay. shoot, and Curry would, Curry would make the extra pass to Iguodala, who was shooting a wide-open three. Now, I'm pretty sure that he's not getting that wide-open three if they're not doubling Steph. And we don't act like Steph had wide-open threes and he bricked a lot of them, too? Are we acting like that didn't happen? Like, do we Dude, you all need average, to go back and agree with his, his his average was better in the in the finals than it was during the season. He was twenty six and six for the finals. Who was guarding him? Not, and that's not worthy of one vote. Come on, son. Come on. No, I'm saying no. No, first and foremost, all those all those votes that LeBron James got should have went to Steph Curry. Let's not let's 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 get let's get that straight. First and foremost, I, I think it was completely disrespectful for Steph to get no votes. All I'm saying is that you are being completely dismissive. Please go back and watch Andre Iguodala's defense on LeBron James in the post. When LeBron James had to shoot those fadeaways, it's not like he didn't miss a lot of shots, man. Yes, he put up 37, but of course you're going to score 37 when you're as great as LeBron and you're shooting like 45 shots a game. What are we talking I mean, about? Who else going to take the shot? Who else going to take the shot? Who else is going to take this? And that and that proves my point exactly. Who else is going to take? Who else is going to take the shot? When you have a player of LeBron James caliber, who else is going to take fifty-four shots and score thirty-seven points and give out those assists and rebounds? LeBron James, because guess what? He has the Knicks on his squad, man. He has no one else to do it. So it's the AI situation all over again, bro. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the, that the Sixers were in that game besides Game One, but who else is scoring besides AI? What's his going besides LeBron James? He has no uh, one Steph else, Curry. so of course he's going to. <laughs> who? Steph who? Curry, the guy who actually led them in scoring. Did, I said who else is the... scoring besides Le- Le- LeBron James on tell, that Cavaliers tell, tell team? Tell me this. Tell me this, on, Q, tell me this before we move on to the next topic. Did oh my God. Iguodala lead the team in scoring in any games in the finals? That doesn't matter. That's completely uh, irrelevant uh, to the point. Then answer the question, please. Did he leave That's completely story? irrelevant to to the point. No, it's not, no, it's not irrelevant. You, if if you're gonna if you're gonna take away if you're gonna talk about the defense that was played on LeBron to negate him in scoring, and, and if, if me and people are making a case for Steph Curry and his ability to score, if you take those 26 points that Steph Curry did not score in those games, they they, they get mopped up by Cleveland. We almost so saw them. And my point is, before we I got the big Joker though. Look, go, go, go listen ahead, to this. Go ahead. Listen to this. LeBron James leads both teams in NBA Finals, right? Uh, he averaged 35.8 points a game, 8.8 assists, 13.3 rebounds. He's the first to lead in all categories in Finals history. Without LeBron James on the floor in the series, J.R. Smith 0 for 9, Delhi 0 for 7, James Jones 0 for 3, Shumper 0 for 2, Total 0 for 21. Bruh. Without LeBron, thank you. Without LeBron, but, but 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 my point is this though, is that even with all of that stacked against them, LeBron still did and won two games that kept that team in four games. 
four or five games, really. Game six, hey, you, hey, by half by half time you already knew. You know what I'm saying? Like you already knew. But there's no way Iguodala gets that man. There's no way it's oh Steph Curry. Oh my god, crazy. Crazy. Please go no in the next subject. Please go back to the next subject. Hey, uh, real quick, I just <laughs> want to clear it up. Um, Please. Hey, let me let me just clear it up. The the stat that I threw out earlier. Um, Please. Steph Curry actually, yeah, it was actually wrong. Um, he um in the second quarter he finished the half with uh in her halftime with eleven points, five assists, and three steals. After heading into the third quarter quarter. Uh, heading into the fourth, damn, this this can't be right either. Because it's saying in the fourth, heading into the third quarter, Steph had 12 points. This is his three steals. He has been quiet since the first quarter, but the Warriors have the stat that matters the most right now, the lead. And then he scored 18 and uh, with four minutes left in the game. So he did a lot of his damage late, uh, most of it from the free throw line, but I he guess did. the point that I was I was making was that he wasn't impacting the game uh, the way that we're making it seem because exactly. they had a pretty nice lead going into the fourth quarter uh, without Steph. Uh, only in, in, only in, in game. game only in game four they they have a, a, a huge lead going into the fourth. Every other game was close. Even the game even the blowout game in game five, uh, that game was a one point game with five minutes to go. LeBron hits the three, Steph comes back and hits the three, Clay hits the three, and Golden State pulls away. So other than game four and game six, those games were close to the fourth quarter. But anyway, let's move on. Hey, hey I feel my guy. I, I think he, no, did, he, he did a lot more for that team than Steph Curry did. The play um, to win that final. Live, folks. Thank you. This is Dead Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Joined by our partners, uh, Q, the six man who's sitting there for BZ, uh, my man C4, my man Ken. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. Um, now, a lot was made um, here recently in the last couple of days about a report that came out from Mark Stein from ESPN.com. Uh, as many of you know, Mark Stein was a sideline reporter who was actually granted a lot of access to the Cavs uh, locker room and bench. He actually, if you saw him in some shots, he was damn near sitting in the Cavs uh, huddle um, when they huddled on the sidelines during plays during throughout the final. Um, he was mic'd up, and he was there for a lot of coverage to get kind of inside knowledge as far as during the game. Um, Stein wrote a scathing piece on ESPN.com about how, in his words, LeBron James emasculated Coach David Blatt. Uh, he said that on several occasions uh, he would frequently ignore David Blatt in timeout. Uh, he talked about one time where Blatt drew up a play and LeBron just fervently shook his head and Blatt looked at him and decided to <laughs> change the play and erase the board and start over. Uh, he also talked about in the piece about how remember when LeBron hit the game-winning shot against uh, Chicago? Well, initially, Blatt had drawn up a play for LeBron to inbound the ball. And LeBron said, no, I'm not inbounding the ball. I'm taking the last shot. Um, this is a fractured relationship, to say the least. Um uh, 
But what if, I, I just want to get your your thought. And people, I'll start with you because you were one of the first ones that even brought you know David Blatt to our attention and, and about his coaching acumen as far as what he could do and what you thought he may do. And obviously, when we first started, when you brought David Blatt to us, you know this was early in the stages of LeBron coming to Cleveland. Um, so, what are your thoughts about the relationship between LeBron and David Blatt? And do you think he'll be back? Two-part question. Uh, I'll answer the second first. No, I don't think he's going to be back. Um, I've always written for David Blatt for the rebuild project. I, I, I always said that there was going to be issues with the LeBron project because whoever has LeBron, you're going to the finals. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's it's like when you meet a chick, right? Like she'll know in the first couple of minutes if she's going to mess with you or not. It's up to you not to mess it up. You see what I'm saying? That's what it is with LeBron. It's up to you to not mess it up. You got to do stuff the right way. You have to have something, and you have to be able to relate to NBA players. Now, on a rebuild mm-hmm. project, everybody's new. Everybody's like, okay, they brought in this new guy. Let's see what he's doing, whatever, whatever. It's brand new. With, with, with LeBron, it's, we need execution because we're going to the finals. Do you understand that? You give me the Knicks and we go to the finals. You give me Kobe, we go to the finals. Like, it doesn't matter. LeBron's going to the finals. That's who he is. So they need a guy like a Mark Jackson, somebody like that. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me um, that, that LeBron, he's LeBron James. This is not the coach that, if LeBron would have signed there first before they hired a coach, do you really think that they would have picked David Black? I don't think. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so he was never the guy for this job. He was the guy for the other Cleveland job. And, and, and it just, you know, things change. This is business. You're not going to say no to LeBron. You're going to say bye-bye to David Black. Because he's he not going to be back. Let's be honest. Come on. He's not going to be back. He's not going to be back. He's just not. This is not the right job for him. Okay. Okay. What about you, Ken? Uh, David Black, man. What, what do you think about the relationship? And uh, do you think he'll be back? I think they both need to grow up. Well, I, I understand Black from the tough situation. LeBron's the guy he gets what he said, you know, whatever he wants he's gonna get. He's trying to manage that um as as best as possible and, and that's part of being a leader is being able to manage uh, you know, your, your top guys like that and, and stuff like that. Um really man, I'm gonna just LeBron has to grow up and he has to make a decision. And um, you know, if he knew Black was there before he decided to go back. Then, you know, he knew what he had to deal with. And he should have been prepared for that and tried to make it work. He's not trying to make it work. I cannot give LeBron a pass for that just because he's the best player on the planet or whatever. Like, at least try to make it work and see what happens. You won two rings with Spoh eventually. Right. Once you got on the same page. But, you know, for to just, you know, diss the guy like that, you, he's your coach. You need him to show some level of respect. You know, and, um, okay. and, and yeah, what's up? You're not in that huddle, though. And we don't know the play that LeBron just shook his head at. We don't know right. what David Blatt is actually doing and saying on that sideline, bro. He might be saying some crazy shit, bro. 
You don't know that. You don't know that. So 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 you're outside looking in without any really inside knowledge. And um, Mark Stein, obviously he's there. So if he's saying that, you know, LeBron and Massey, we can't. We don't know if if it was really warranted. Because if I'm the fucking best player on the planet, and you join up first of all in the playoffs against the Bulls, which you know it doesn't matter what, what team LeBron's on. Like it's that's the rivalry, LeBron versus Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Like, like whatever team LeBron's on. So you mean to tell me that you're going to have me taking out the ball to win? No, give me the watch. What you mean? When I was a coach, guess what? If I'm down two, I'm making a play maybe to go for three, depending on how my, how my player feel. I'm going to go to LeBron. Yo, LeBron, what you feel right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what do you mean? No, you go straight to – come on, man. No, 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 no. He got to be out of here. He's not, he's not the right guy. He, no, wait. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because, <laughs> um, because you know, like you said, if you have LeBron, you got a good shot to go to the finals, right? Regardless of who's coaching, right. you know, he, he's that good. Um, but at the same time, he kind of did get you to the finals too. He could have cost you the finals with a couple of bad decisions that he right, made that are right, inexcusable. Right. And nobody's gonna nobody's gonna give him a pass for that. I, and we we jumped on him. I criticized him for the the timeout that he that you know that wasn't called for for whatever reason. Decided not to give LeBron the final shot. I mean that was stupid. That you can't condone that. But I guess what I'm talking about is we're talking about a, a year long relationship where the the two of them and, and have had a chance to kind of figure out a way to work. And and I don't know if LeBron has tried to. But if LeBron is not trying, I got I can't I gotta put something some of that on LeBron. Like you can't just you can't act like that if you're a professional. Try to make it work. See what this guy has and see what you guys can build on together and go from there. Now, here's the bigger problem. You know, when when this story broke, I thought about Game Six, and I wish I was healthy. So I can really say this the way I need to say it. Why are we not hearing a, a feedback, man? It's, 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 now I'm hearing it. I know. I, 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 I don't know what, what it is. I'm hearing the same thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Try Game six was not the game we expected to see from LeBron. He kept dumping it in the post and doing this, that, and the other. You know, it was like, where are you? You know, granted, eventually it got them to lead, but LeBron wasn't having the impact that we thought he would have in the game since. You know, yes, he finished with 30 points and 18 rebounds and eight assists or whatever, but he still didn't have the impact. He still kept, for whatever reason, giving the ball to the post and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And to me, it reminded me of, and I'm speculating, of Kobe's game seven against Phoenix. When he was like, you know what, you got to say, I'm going to pass enough, fine, I'm not going to shoot the ball. And he started just passing the ball and refused to shoot the ball. That game, to me, was like, you guys say he's the coach and he has his game plan and this is what he wants to do. We're going to do it his way and we'll see what happens and we'll live with the results. That's kind of how I view that game now. Yeah. If, if LeBron just being a little bit stubborn, a little bit, a little bit, you know, uh, upset that he's about to lose another final, and that for whatever reason, 
um, he hasn't agreed with a lot of decisions that Black has made. And I think if they could have gotten on the same page on some of that stuff, they could have at least played seven games. Um, there were a lot of things that game four was unexplainable. You know, well, no, game five was unexplainable. Just, you know, um, the, the going to the small lineup. There were things that LeBron didn't agree with, but throughout the regular season, he jumped, you know, he jumped on him. He rewrote plays. He helped. And then all of a sudden in the finals, you take a back seat, this thing. So right. all I'm saying is, while I don't think he's the right fit because LeBron has this, this this relationship with Black that doesn't seem like it's going to go the right way, right now the organization is committed to David Black. LeBron has to man up, figure out how to make it work, if it can work, and then if it doesn't, let the organization finally decide on what they need to do because we all know that they know that they don't have a good relationship. So it's not like this is a secret. You know what? And, and you know what? lastly, real quick, and, and I'm with you 100%. I would like to see – well, I have two things. I have two things I want to throw out there. Last thing is I really would like to see what Mark Jackson would, would does. And the second is why is everybody so big up on Tyrone Lue? And just because he played in the league, like what has he done from a head coaching perspective? Like why is he all of a sudden the guy? Because he was so a Doc Rivers' assistant. Okay. It's from that coaching team. Everybody's you know, throwing a model. I'm like, I, I just, I never understood it. You know, um, I'm like, I would think you would want somebody with, with veterans. Uh, you would want somebody more like NBA experience. Yeah. Like when you, when, when you look at, you know, what, uh, when you look at what he reported and the words that he uh, used very nicely in his article, I had read the whole thing and I had watched the report on the uh, first take. Um, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both, man. Like I think we're being unfair to both parties. Uh, I think we're being unfair to David Blatt on the side that David Blatt went in not knowing that he was going to be the all-in coach. He thought he was going to be the right. let's rebuild coach. You know, he's going to be like let's start this over. Let's let's get Kyrie some help, and uh, hopefully Kevin Love signs and maybe LeBron will sign. But if it doesn't, then we're going to rebuild. So they brought in David Blatt to be this offensive guru, the you know the Chip Kelly esque uh, kind of guy where everyone loves his offense and he's like a savant or whatever. And he comes in and for months, I think it was for about a month and like three days, LeBron James when he signed with Cleveland, he didn't even talk to David Blatt. So off right, you're already starting off on a bad foot, and that's on LeBron. Now let's get back to David Blatt. On David Blatt, you're in the playoffs, let's fast forward a little bit to the playoffs. You're against Chicago, and you're in game three. You're almost – I'm sorry, what was it, game four maybe, game game four. So they're close to being down 3-1, Cleveland is, and you almost blew the entire game. You almost pulled a Chris Webber, man. Like, you almost pulled a Chris Webber. And LeBron James, at that point, I think he was done with David Blatt because over the entire course of the playoffs – LeBron James wants to be the coach, and LeBron James wants to be, you know, the extension of himself on the floor. You know, usually they say the point guard is, but LeBron James is the GM, uh, the coach, and he, he's the executive. So LeBron James, he has to mature in the sense that, yo, sometimes, bro, you just can't get everything you want at the moment. So try, right. and I'm not saying I have scores or whatever, but from what I saw, 
it didn't look like he was giving David Black that much of a, a chance to work it out. I felt like he was just very mm-hmm. miserable. Yo, like, do you realize who I am? I'm I'm LeBron James. Get out of my way, man. I don't even know who you. Where yep. are you from? Russia? Get out of here. And David Black is like, LeBron, please, can we get this? Like, let's try. Because if LeBron was going to try with Mike Brown, but you're not going to try with David Black, there's something wrong there. And David Black has to straighten up as well because there were plays that he called and probably things that he, you know, did. But he's a first-year head coach coming over from Russia. Let's not act like he has all this experience. So he's learning the same way that all these new guys on the roster are learning. And LeBron James has to be kind of like the shepherd of that team and lead them to where he needs them to go. You don't necessarily need Mark Jackson or you don't necessarily need anybody because I think LeBron James, if he worked closely enough, I don't know if he is or not, if he worked closely enough with David Blatt and showed him the type of offense that runs better and they got locked in for a summer together to put their two offensively gifted IQs together, they could come up with some amazing things. But I don't think LeBron is interested in doing that, and it's on both of them to try and reconcile this because, one, David Griffin, the, I think it was the GM, he says that he's all in on David Blatt and it's not LeBron's decision to, to make. But that's playing with fire because that's not like LeBron James will not get up and leave one more time because he will. LeBron James is not playing no more games. LeBron James is here to make this his squad. So he has to get on the same page as David Griffin or maybe David Griffin needs to realize that LeBron James is the franchise and they will lose another billion dollars if they keep David Black. You know, there's team, there are uh, coaches out there like Sam Cassell who is rising up the ranks very fast. You could get a Spurs coach. You could get Mark Jackson, Thibodeau. I even though I wouldn't, you know, if you're looking for offense, don't go and get dips. But there are coaches out there that they could replace him with, but I don't think LeBron James, wrapping this up, has given David Black as much of a chance as he deserves. As much as he deserves. Not saying he gives him all the breaks in the world, but as much as he deserves, it looks like from the outside looking in, he's like, who are you? I'm LeBron James. Get out of my, my way. Like, it's just, it looks very disrespectful on LeBron's part. But, I, but you know what? Look, 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 wait, hold on. First of all, LeBron is worth $500 million to any franchise. He's worth a half a billion to a franchise. So you damn right, he's calling the shots. This is a player's league. And when you're talking about the greatest player, and I really only have about four more years at my, like, I could perform like this, you damn right, you better go give me a damn championship coach. I don't want no, no, no survival. I need a guy that's proven in the NBA that I know that can maximize my team plus me right now. Because I don't, I'm not 22, I'm not 24. I'm 31, right. bro. No, man. No. No. I'm Who's a championship winning coach that happening. they could go and get? Who's a championship winning huh? coach that they could go and get? Because there's not really uh, anyone out there. What, what I, look, well, you okay. know, yeah, and there, there really aren't, unless you look <laughs> at Mark Jackson, there probably aren't any any coaches with that kind of pedigree. Um, I, I think, and I was, I was sitting there listening and just writing some stuff down. I think everybody made a great point, man. I think. Kim was right. You know, it speaks to the maturity of both LeBron and uh, David Blatt. Uh, I'll say this much as well. As much as I read that piece, if you've played ball, and we've all played ball, you know, like I know Q and and Ken and FIFO, a lot of things get said on the sidelines and in the huddle that if the general public heard it, they might think, okay, these guys really hate each other. You know, if we're playing, we're on a team. Dude, you don't set a screen to me. I might cuss you out. 
and you might cuss me out. But then, you know, that's during the timeout. But then we go back on the court, and I throw you an alley-oop. You know what I mean? And then we, we give each other a pound. And there's no hard feeling. So I don't know if necessarily what he heard or what he – when I speak of he, I'm talking about Mark Stein. I don't know if what he heard and what he saw was just that competitive nature between LeBron and, and David Blatt. Maybe they aren't on the same page. I'll take it back to the beginning of the season. Um, the Cavs won their first game. And the players decided to give – they came into the locker room. They decided to give David Blatt the game ball. And they gave him the game ball and said, you know, LeBron presented to him and said, hey, congratulations on your first win, blah, 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 blah. It was his first NBA win. David Blatt's response was, I don't need this ball. I've won championships in Europe. What are you doing this for? I don't need this. And he basically he wrapped on their idea – of wow. celebrating. And that was report that was widely reported. And I think if you want to go to a point where LeBron and David Black didn't weren't on the same page, I would say it started there. Now again, not there every day. I don't know. Oh my god, feedback is killing me. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why we haven't taken it tonight. But um, I'm gonna try to talk through it. But um but yeah it's I, I would point to that particular point. Um, will he be back? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not, but I think so because I think you got to see what Cleveland looks like healthy with their big three, you know, with Tristan Thompson, with Smith and those guys, if they can sign everybody that they need to sign. I don't really see anybody in the East. You know, I mean, in the side, I don't see anybody in the East stopping them. Yeah. You know, just real quick, just real quick. I think that right, right. I think that LeBron James he does he does very covert shady things. Um, you know, he's he's one of the, you know, only players who's taken his career the way that he wanted to and I would completely give him credit for that. That's a revolutionary thing in sports we've never seen. But there are times where LeBron does things and he doesn't do things that send a louder message than if he were to say something. Right. And we saw that Instagram photo where there's no Kevin Love and everyone else is like, these are my guys, these are my ride or dodge right here, like these are my rough riders. And everyone's like, okay, I see everyone in there, Kyrie's in there, but where's Kevin? And then you have the reports of that, you know, Kevin is cool with LeBron, but they're not, you know, going out to, you know, eat or whatever. And you don't need to do that to win. But I'm saying that when you have all these reports swirling around that, if LeBron James doesn't do something like, you know, he's not going to come out and say, oh, yo, yo, keep black. We need to keep David black. He's not going to come out and say that because he doesn't have that much love for, for David black. He's not going to come out and he's going to not say anything. He's going to be completely ghost. And they're going to ask him, LeBron, how do you feel about David black? And he's going to say very, you know, PR stuff like, uh, this is a, you know, great coach, a good coach. And I enjoy playing for him this season. But that doesn't mean that, yeah, keep this coach forever. I love David Blatt's system and everything. LeBron James does things very covert and very under the radar that send messages that are there. And maybe sometimes they aren't there. But let's not act like not talking to your coach for an entire month when you sign to get on the same page is normal. Like, that's not normal. Like, when George Carl went to Sacramento, he went up to all his players that next day and said, I'm here to coach this program and we're going to do this and that. David Black just wants to talk to LeBron James, and LeBron 
he doesn't even tell Riley that he's leaving. Like, yeah, all right, uh, I'm, I'm leaving, and my decision will come out in the next 30 minutes. And Riley's like, oh, okay, I see how, how we're doing things now. Very covert things that LeBron James does. So I don't expect David Black to be back, but I think that they could build something there if LeBron James and David Black meet at the middle and put all, you know, the girly stuff aside, you know, the, the you know the reports and all the rumors, just put everything aside and say, what do we need to do to win? Because we didn't have Kevin Love, we didn't have Kyrie, so let's see what we can do at full squad. Right. So we'll see. We we will see. It's going to be an interesting summer. Um, I think, going back to the point, I think if they give it a chance, and I don't know, and from what I've heard, and it speaks to your point, Q, I've heard that LeBron is kind of passively aggressive with his moves and everything. So, you know, he's not going to come out and say, yo, I want Black out of here. And um, to answer your question, Ken, I think the reason why he didn't have any problems with Spo in Miami was because of Pat Riley. I don't respect Pat Riley out of the fact that that was Pat Riley's guy. So he couldn't, he could only do but so much to Spo um, because, you know, ultimately he has to answer to Riley. You know, pretty much it sounds like everybody in Cleveland's kissing his ass now that he's back. So as far as the front office is concerned. So I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It's not really a lot of coaches. And then maybe, just maybe, Didn't you guys will do the same thing. To some degree, yeah. Um, so that, but yeah. that's just what you do, though, right? Like, you're not just going to yeah. out publicly say, well, I don't want this coach. Oh, no, no. I know. I, yeah, I, you, well, you have, you have you know, private people, conversations. I, I've only it's like yeah, Dwight Howard day with Stan Van Gundy. I've only seen Magic Johnson actually a super, was the only superstar I remember openly getting a coach fired, and that was Paul Westfall back in the day. And of course, they bring in Pat Riley. The Lakers make their it didn't run. work. Then it worked. Um, they ran the eighties. Yeah, they did. And so you know, and so I don't know that LeBron. I, I think they just have to do what they have to do to get on the same page. And I don't know what it's going to take for them to get on the same page. Uh, I just know that they don't have a lot of time. And I think, like I said, going back to Spo, I think that's probably why we didn't hear anything out of Miami. And, you know, Black doesn't have that kind of leeway at this point. So we'll see. We'll see. Phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Uh, we said we're going to get in some NBA talk and definitely some NBA draft talk. Uh, the NBA is draft it? is Wednesday, excuse me, not Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, so it's going down. It's going to be crazy. Um, pretty, from all accounts, pretty decent draft that we're, we're going to be looking at. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start right here. I'll start with you first, Ken. If you had to name a sleeper, who do you think is going to be the sleeper of this year's NBA draft? Um, justice, man. I, I, I think you know. I don't think he's getting enough the, the amount of looks that uh that I think he deserves. Um, I, I think Winslow. that kid. Yeah, I, I I think he's gonna be um uh, I think he's gonna be something, man. Um, you know, I've only had a chance to see him in limited spurts, and I know. Offensively, they say you know he still has room to grow there, but uh, but I think if he has the will to work on it, I think he could truly uh, come into the league and and be one of the the top players to come out of this draft. 
Um, I think he's I think he's being slept on uh, by a lot of people as far as what he can be. So um, so we'll see. But that's that's my pick so far. Okay. What about you, FIFO? Uh, sleeper in this year's draft. Um, I'm gonna go with. Hold on. I'm, I'm wait. Come back to me. Come back to me. Okay. What about you, Q? Uh, your your team is actually <laughs> picking in the top five again. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. You, I'm pretty sure you are uh, really really up on there. Who, who do you think is gonna yeah. be the sleeper, man? Who's the sleeper in the draft? You have a couple. You have Miles Turner out of Texas, seven footer who can shoot the three when you know he's spotted up. Um, but kind of an average post game, uh, but. He has a lot of good traits, and his upside is very nice. You have Emmanuel Moutier coming from China. I think people are sleeping on him due to the fact that his jumper is not where they want it to be, but he says his work ethic is that of a Kobe Bryant. You can quote him on that, he said. And he's willing to go in the gym sun up to sundown to fix it. So someone with his athleticism of kind of a diet John Wall, you know, he's, not, he's, he's, he's not as fast, but he's faster than most point guards. hard to stay in, in front of him. I think that He'll be a sleeper, and my last sleeper is um man. I think people are sleeping on uh, Mario Hezonia out of Spain. Him, if you have not seen Mario Hezonia, and I know a lot of you really haven't, please go watch his highlights on YouTube. The dude, to me, he's a Spanish Andrew Wiggins, bro. Like he really is. Like he jumps out the gym. Dude is doing 360 dunks in game. He's shooting the same percentage as Wiggins did in college, and he's playing in the Spanish League. And if you can play in the Spanish League and have success, you can play in the NBA easily. And anyone will tell you that if they watch overseas ball. So those three are, hands down, like, those are sleepers. And I guess you could go with Kaminsky, but, you know, he's kind of fell in the draft a little bit. But those three guys, for certain, I think they're going to have a lot of major upside. And when they get a year, two years under their belt, we're going to start to see their potential shine through. Okay, okay. What about you, FIFO? Uh, sleeper in this year's draft. You know what, man? I had a guy. Well, I was watching NBA uh, TV, and they were talking about this white boy. I know I'm I'm being whatever you want to call me. But, Which um, team does he play for? I can't for? remember this dude's name. But he, who did, he, who let, he, play for? he had the highest vertical in um, oh, Nick Connaughton, the draft. From North, from North, Nick Connaughton. From the Notre Dame, yes, shooting guard. Him, yes, because I believe I'm the okay. Notre Dame dude, Jerry and Grant. But thank you, Q. You know me and names. But um, that <laughs> dude, I think I think he's the sleeper. To me, like I think he's the biggest sleeper in the draft yeah, because Moutier. I think he's kind of expected to be something. You know, like I I, th- I think the expectation for him is to transform into uh, an all star. You know what I'm saying? We don't know if he's a superstar yet, but. I think he has all-star potential because of his athletic ability and work ethic and all of those things, um, you know. And then, you know, the other guys too. But that's my guy. I'm gonna just leave it at that. Content is nice. He he went from shooting 23% from three in his junior year to shooting 45% from three in his senior year. And he's played baseball his entire life. He's, he's only played basketball for I believe two years. Mm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's impressive. Um, I, I think, and I don't even know if you really want to call this guy a sleeper because we saw what he did. I mean, he, he was 
one of the few guys that went to school for four years, man. But Frank Kaminsky, man, I, I like Frank Kaminsky's game. Oh, I think if if he if he gets with the right team, I think Frank the Tank Man is going to be. I think he's going to be a special NBA player. He's not going to be somebody who's going to. He's going to be one of those guys that I think can fill a role that will be a piece eventually to someone's championship puzzle. I think he has that kind of DNA. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing this kid and Q. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, I can't even pronounce his name. The kid from Wait, overseas. Christoph Przingis. Um, Przingis, that's him. The zinger. Yeah. I'm gonna call him the zinger. Um, they say that this guy is seven feet tall. That they runs like a gazelle, shoots well, has a great touch, incredible work ethic. They said he his work ethic is not like what you would expect from a quote unquote European player. Um, I, I I'm interested. I mean, <laughs> the thing that's interesting about this kid is that. And I think he's what, Q, 18, 19 years old, something like that? He's 18 um, years old. Okay. You you got the scout. I know you got the scout report on him. Um, Man, I have everybody's scouting report. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let, I'll let you talk about him in a second. I think what's, what's, what's intriguing to me is most of the quote-unquote experts have him in the top five, top six, seven mm-hmm. or so. Um, you know, the unknown. I mean, I, I've heard that he's had some great workouts, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're let's let's use the Knicks for an example. Let's say things. Let's say Towns goes one, Okafor goes two, uh, D'Angelo Russell goes three, and you're the Knicks and you're sitting there at four, you know, and this kid is there. You know, do you roll the dice on this guy, on this kid? Uh, Q, Q, what, 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 is, what do you have on your scout report on Porzingis? What I see on Porzingis is, number one, stay away from Philly, dog, because I'm tired of seven footers <laughs> for sure. Um, number two, bro, um, I like his talent from what I'm seeing. But, you know, everyone around draft season, agents are working overtime. They're calling anonymously to everyone. Yo, I have a client. He says he doesn't want to want to play for the Knicks, so he wants to play for Philly. He wants to play for L.A. Uh, his vertical is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Hey, what's your source? There is no source. You know what I'm saying? Like they call people, right, right, right. You know, to put out these rumors and put out these things. And I remember back in the day, they they were saying that Darko Milicic had the best workout they've ever seen. So there's only so much stock you can put into this guy. As New Yorker fans, they don't want him. They want Justice Winslow, from what I'm seeing on Twitter and everything. But his measurables are unlike anything we've seen probably since KD. Um, he's seven foot one without shoes on, so he's seven two, seven three with shoes on. He has a seven four wingspan. He can yam it. He can shoot the three. He has a mid range game. Stroke is probably the best. He has the best shooting stroke in the draft besides D'Angelo Russell and uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, ranking those in that order. And if I'm the Knicks at four, I, if Justice is my guy, I'm trading down to get more assets because they need – oh, they're in win-now mode. But if you want to go off of, you know, three years down the line, maybe, you know, he's learning from Carmelo Anthony, some offense, the best offensive player behind KD in my personal opinion, then you make that pick and you see what he could be. And if you're trash, and if he's trash, then you're just – sticking to what the Knicks have been for the last four years. So it's all good, man. I mean, just take the best player available 
and that's whoever they want. I think it's between Justice and Chris Stapps or a trade down. And I think that I would be leaning towards Justice. But if Phil, who actually flew out to see him, you know Phil don't fly nowhere because, you know, he's a hemorrhoid star flaring up. Um, He said he was very impressed. He was very impressed. And the Nuggets won him as as well. So those two teams are looking at him. Everyone else kind of already has their pick, though. Even, even 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 the Sixers are looking at him, man. Like even the Sixers are looking at him. They shouldn't even be looking at him. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. I, I was going to ask. I mean, the Sixers are your, your team, and you don't, you you just read off this Raven review about him. You don't want him. Nah, I want a point guard, D'Angelo Russell. That's the that, that's the best player available uh-huh. at three. Uh huh. Agree. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Now I have. I'm gonna be honest, man. I have all I've seen is clips of DeAngelo. I didn't see D'Angelo Russell at Ohio State a lot. I think I saw him. Maybe in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. What can you tell us about D'Angelo Russell that we have that that most people don't know just yet about him? D'Angelo Russell, for those who didn't see um, him, one number one, the reason why the Sixers are interested in him is uh, he's good friends with Nerlens Noel and Joel Embiid. He played in high school with Joel, and he's from the Kentucky Louisville area. You know that's where Nerlens played ball at in the AAU, so y'all went to AAU together. So that's number one, the reason why we're interested in him. Two is just his game. Uh, he's six five point guard, Ohio State, and you saw that he shot, I believe he shot 37% from three. Um, he shot 37% from three. He shot like 50% from the floor half the season. Um, it was it was ridiculous with the things that he was doing. He has a very nice handle, but the thing that draws you to him is that he's kind of the hybrid between a James Harden and a Darren Williams coming out of college. And that's why everyone likes him. And the reason why that I compare him to those two players is that he can shoot, you know, off the dribble easily. He can pull up like James Harden can. He has a very nice handle like James Harden. But he sees the floor, and he's a coach, and he's a player's coach. I'm sorry, he's a uh, coach's player like Darren Williams was where he just wants to learn everything about the game so when he's you know seeing the passing lanes he's seeing the floor he's getting guys who normally wouldn't even get above 10 points he's getting them 15 points and he's making guys look better than what they are so you plug in D'Angelo Russell with a Nernal Noel and a Joel Embiid those big men are going to eat and they're probably going to get five to eight points that they wouldn't have gotten by themselves without D'Angelo Russell's point guard vision. That's what we want from point guard, right? We all want him to shoot, want him to see the floor. So those two attributes are what everyone likes about him. Now, what everyone doesn't like about him is that against tougher defenses, he didn't shoot that well. I think against uh, top 10 defenses, he shot like, I believe, 23% from three, and he shot like, I think it was 35% from the floor. And the reason why that is is because I would put that more on the fact that there was no other four-star players on Ohio State, everyone else was just local guys and walk-ons. And we all know Ohio State does, doesn't have a pedigree of pumping out great players these last 10 years. Right. You know, Evan, Evan Turner, terrible. But we see D'Angelo's potential with, with – uh, we see D'Angelo's potential with nobody around him, really, and we see what he, he can do. And if – I'm going to give you all a game to go watch. This is the last thing I'm going to say about him. Go watch his game against Michigan. He fought back from a 20-point deficit, and I believe they won the game. Okay. Okay. We definitely have to check that out. Definitely have to check that out. So we've got it coming up, man. The NBA draft is this Thursday night. Trust me, 
you want to tune back in next week because we will have the draft recap. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. Let's jump to the phone lines. Let's go to area code 506, 516. 516, you're on with Dan and Sports. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, what's up, fellas? It's Randy from Long Island. Randy, what's going on, man? Nothing, nothing much. Hello, Randy. What's up, Ken? What you got? Nah, what's, up, what's up, what's up, Randy? Hey, what's, what's up, Cube? Um, because yeah. I know I know you're like talking about with the with the draft team start fifteen. Mm-hmm. And like for me like for me for my for my Knicks, if I was like for me personally, I would have put just put put all my stock on on Justice Winslow. Okay. Because but mm-hmm. But let me ask you this though, uh is but isn't Winslow doesn't he play the same position as Carmelo? Well, well, I heard that. I heard that like from reports, like from Bleach Report, that if they were to take um, just just Winslow, they might have, they might have to switch like Carmelo to a power forward. But that is not. I'm not too sh- not too sure about it. If they were to do that, well, it could it could work. But my concern is that they they first need a primary need. They need a point guard, and I'm hoping, right. and I'm hoping that if if, if I know Q, your Sixers would it take Porzingis? There will be a no brainer for the Knicks to take to take on D'Angelo Russell. Of course, because I know I know because I know how the 76ers mess will we try to mess it up and try to take Porzingis since they always want to go big. Last the last couple yeah. couple of years. Right. You know, let me let me ask you something. Let me ask you something because uh, we got him on the phone about the Knicks and uh, we're talking about the Sixers as well. Um, how do you feel about the reports? I don't know if anyone saw this. Uh, the reports that the Knicks are trying to shop their pick if Jalil Okafor is in fact gone, and it seems as though he's going to go to L.A. at two. And if you know the Sixers take Russell, then they're basically not they're not overjoyed with the prospects that are left. They're cool to take Justice Winslow. They like him a lot, but there's not much, you know, from the prospects that, that they've seen that, oh, I'm, I'm blown out, I'm blown away. So we're hearing that the Knicks are talking to the Sixers and the Celtics, I believe it was the Celtics, about acquiring established players and next year picks because they don't have a pick in 2016. And one of the proposed trade scenarios I'm going to ask you if you would like would be, all right, let's talk about a three-team trade between the Sixers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Knicks. This was a proposed trade that the Knicks would be getting, I believe, basically every second round that the the Sixers have this year, along with a top-10 protected pick from the Los Angeles Lakers and a top-20 protected pick from OKC next year, along with, they, uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe from Phoenix, while New York gives up Calderon and Tim Hardaway Jr. to the Sixers and Phoenix, and they give up a first-round pick for four to the Sixers. So all four teams benefiting from unloading contracts that they don't want. Would you be cool with basically the Knicks giving up four for all those picks and assets and Eric Bledsoe to play point guard for the Knicks? Um, I would be kind of fine with it because, basically, that like the Knicks have been 
still done all, all for the last couple of years. And I know, like, with Phil, I know Phil's whole philosophy is that he wants to win now and find players like he thinks are going to be fit with the, tri- the triangle. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like Eric, for me, I like Eric Bledsoe, but I'm, I think I'm not too sure, like, if, if, if it would have fit perfectly, if it fit perfectly with, like, what, like, with, um, Phil, like, with Phil's, his triangle offense he's trying to try to put in. I, yeah. I have no problem with him, um, getting, getting away with Calderon because he hasn't done that much and he was kind of been hurt, like, most of the time. And, and I, I know what you said about with, with Tim Harvey Jr. Uh, that, that, I, I like Tim Harvey Jr. He played, like, he played well throughout the, like, played well throughout the season. Mm. If they want to keep keep rebuilding, uh, I mean, it's fine. It's fine if they want more second round picks, because who knows? They might right. find some find find some gems in this in the second rounder. Who knows? Mm. And plus, it's cool. And it's cool with me if they get that that protected ten round top ten pick. Yeah. Which by freeing up all that cap space, not only could you get an Eric Bledsoe or a Ty Lawson. They were talking about those two. But they were also saying that by freeing up Calderon's terrible contract that Phil signed him to, and a lot of Knicks fans will agree with that, you have enough room to go after a Marcus, a Kawhi, a Jimmy Butler as well, on top of getting Eric Bledsoe. So you start to see a core forming where you could bring in three potential free agents, signing one of them or two of them to max deals and giving Greg Monroe a uh, a one-year deal and letting him play it out to see if he likes the team. So you could see a nice you know, starting five, if you were to do that. And if I was Phil, I would have to give that serious consideration as to why, you know, what the Knicks have been doing over the last couple of years, and it hasn't been pretty. So I have to take all trade considerations serious, and the Celtics also. So. But I think with Q, but my concern is that I know I know if LaMarcus Aldridge or Kawhi will be wanting to come with the Knicks to get all that mm-hmm. pressure on them. If if Phil if Phil want to give them if the money is there, like for, for them on the offer, hey, who knows they might even they might come might come and play for us. It's gonna Good. be interesting to see what happens in New York, man. I mean, sitting <laughs> at number four, we'll we'll definitely see what happens. Uh, the the Knicks the Knicks nation will be restless, that's for sure. Hey, Randy, as always, man, thanks for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate the love, brother. No problem, guys. Yeah, man. Peace. Peace. Randy calls 646-478-0356. Man, we only got like 10 minutes left. Uh, Man, can we talk about DeMarcus real quick? Uh, We got to get – we got two more calls. We're trying to get them in. Uh, Let's let's go ahead and jump on this LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I'm sorry, but let's go to Boogie Cousins. LaMarcus Cousins. Because this is crazy. Boogie Cousins is he wants out of Sacramento. He doesn't want to play for George Call. Uh, he was actually subtweeting George Call, calling him a snake, <laughs> uh, which I thought was comical. But the problem is the brass for the Sacramento Kings don't want to trade him. Ken, what's your take on this, man? Well, first of all, uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they gave Carl that much power to even try to even put him on the block like that. Um, I'm inclined to believe that Carl did want him gone along with 
uh, Rudy Gay because he did come out in a press conference earlier and say that nobody's untradeable. So here's your best player, two of your best players, and you're looking to get rid of them. You guys already know where I stand with DeMarcus Cousins um, right. in, in the NBA as a, as a center. So why would you do that? You would always continue to be a losing organization if you continue to get rid of your best players. And this is why George Carl, it shows is he just he has a trouble in, in getting the trust of the people. So now the organization comes out and say, well, no, we don't want to trade him, but it's too late. The damage is already done. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Cousins already feels like he's unwanted. So now he's like, all right, well, if y'all don't want me here, I don't want to be here. You've waited too long, so I don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to fix it. But the thought, the 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 thought of them even considering trading him for yeah. what? What are you going to get to replace Cousins? I don't know, man. Right. It's, it's 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 stupid and a mistake. Yeah. What What about you, FIFO man? What, 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 how do you think this thing's going to play out? What's your take on it? Um, for me, I, okay. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting uh, thing when ownership doesn't want to get rid of a player. You could you cut out? My bad. See, um, you still there? Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Um, you know, the thing is with the the interesting thing is is does the markets want to go now? But at the end of the day, they have them under contract for three more years, so. You know, can the mar- who has the leverage? And if ownership doesn't want to get rid of them, then ownership doesn't have to get rid of them. Uh, it'd be different if it was an impending free agency. Then you know, okay, might be time if he doesn't want to resign. So um, I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna play out. Um, so that I, I don't know. I don't know. And and I think it is interesting that I think what is it like thirteen former players. Or so, or like five or six. I'm, I don't know on Twitter that um, reference yeah, George Paul like, as a snake. We got five or six guys. Same lyrics. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. What about you, Q man? What, what's your take on it, man? Man, all I know is that this better not affect the draft. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the way that they rocking right now, we see what Sacramento is doing. Vladi Divac is adamant saying that DeMarcus Cousins is a once in a every probably five, ten year kind of player, man. Like like you don't get that type of raw size and weight with the skills that he has to be able to push the ball up the floor some sometimes, dunking on people, yamming on people, post moves look crazy. Like he's like a baby shack, man. Like, you know, and people are completely dismissing him because of his um you know his uh mental his mentality or whatever saying that he's too immature but even with all that Sacramento is ridiculous to do this and it is it speaks to what they are as a franchise can you name the leading score on the Sacramento Kings in franchise history you can't. It's some uh, dude named no. Joe Harris. <laughs> it's some dude. It's some dude named Joe Harris. He's the leading scorer, rebounder, and assist man. And he's not even in the Hall of Fame. He's just some random dude that they that they had a long time ago. So, for them to trade, want to trade Rudy Gay? I understand that maybe, but to want to trade Rudy, Van McLemore, and Demarcus Cousins from the reports that I'm seeing, 
It is utterly ridiculous. George Carl has had a history of this, where he'll look in the player's eyes and say one thing and completely do another thing. You see, you saw how they did Sean Kemp. You saw how he did the Seattle Supersonics. He just dipped. You saw how what he did to Carmelo. Where Carmelo's like, I can't play with this guy. This guy does not want to listen to right. any of the players. You saw how he did J.R. Smith. He wanted J.R. gone. He shoots too many shots. But J.R.'s like, well, you're not drawing me up any plays. So for him to look the markets in his face at a press conference, I was watching this video, and he was like, I'm here to get this program back on track with the markets. And Vlade says, you are crazy if you think that we're trading him. So now you have a trust issue situation where the markets don't believe none that you say. So those immaturity problems that you think were bad before, or they're going to be, and it's the minutes like during the season, you, you're going to see the markets not coming off the bench. He's going to take quarters off. He's going to say, get out of my face. If they keep him, if they keep him. And there's just so much, there's so many variables. L.A. wants him. Celtics want him. Everyone, everyone wants this guy. The Wizards want him. That would be crazy. But they are utterly stupid to want to trade the Marcus Cousins for nothing but uh, Jalil Okafor. When you already have an established player who's 24, it's not even age, he's 24, and he's about to come into his prime in the next three, four years, and he's already a monster. He's already up there with AD as being the next face of the new generation. And you want to trade him? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's going to be, um, I don't know, that's a tough situation. And, and I think when you have players who have either verbally or, you know, behind closed doors, spoken out against George Paul, I think that says something. I mean, you if it's just one guy, that's one thing. But if there's a history of this, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for George Paul or, or the credit that, that you could give him. Um, yeah, I, I don't... So even even I don't Gary this this dates back to Gary Payton. Gary Payton was talking about George Carl. He said that, man, I love George. He's, he was my favorite coach. But there were times where I was considering going up to the front office and asking for a trade midseason because he refused to let me do what was best for, for the team. He wouldn't let me guard certain players. He wouldn't let me take certain shots. He wouldn't let me and Kemp run the floor together. He said this. And that's coming from two Hall of Famers. This is not just some random Joe Schmo. So for all those guys dating back to 1990, what time he come with the team? 93 to now, there's a history of George Carl being a snake, bro. And when the snakes, <laughs> when when the grass get cut, the snakes get exposed, man. And George Carl's hmm. being a little exposed right now. Yeah, it, it's man. I this is this is and and like you said, Q, this really could shake shape up the draft. This really could shake up, especially if they make a deal now. Again, if you listen to the Sacramento Brass, they're not going to make a trade. Mm-hmm. But trust me, they're on the phone with someone right now. Um, Dude, Danny Ainge is calling, and Sam Hinkie's calling, Phil's calling, everyone's calling. Mitch Kupchak's calling. Every, the entire league is calling because they need a big man like that. Can you You know what I would do? I'm sorry. I don't mean to take up too much time. But if I'm Cleveland, if I'm Cleveland, bro, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, yo, Boogie, the new CBA comes out next year. You you can get a max deal. We'll have enough cap space. We don't bring a Haywood's contract. We'll sign you for one year. And you 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 can be here with Kyrie, me, and Love for one year and see how it works out. Otherwise, you can go get your money with with a max deal in New York or somewhere else after if it doesn't work out. But bro, 
Hey man. What's good? Like that's hey, all we, I'm gonna say. I wanna wanna let everybody know we're gonna have a bonus coverage of of the podcast. Unfortunately we, we got a couple of calls that we couldn't get to. We apologize for that. We'll be sure to take your calls next week. But continue if you're on the line you can still continue to listen. Uh, if you're listening from a computer, it's going to cut off in about 30 seconds. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. But the uh, the uh, the extra time will be available on the podcast. Uh, we're going to do a little bonus coverage as well, but it won't allow us to uh, bring any phone calls out of you. Uh, so we've got to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, as you do each and every week, remember this show is being broadcast live. Catch us right here on Dead End Sports. So for B, for Ken, for FIFO, and our boy Q sitting in, for those of you who will be signing off, we want to say peace. We'll holler at you next week. For those of you still listening on the line, I it would help if I turn the music down. I forgot about that. <laughs> when, the, when the show actually goes off, the music gets loud. Um, but, yeah, we got about 15 minutes of bonus coverage. Um, but, yeah, I, somebody's on the phone with Sacramento. Trust me. Somebody's on the phone. And Vladi Divac and the brass of the Sacramento Kings, Publicly, they're saying the right things, but I, I gotta believe that they're talking to somebody behind because this could really blow up in their face. And Cousins is an all-star. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, who is, you know, some would call him temperamental, but he's a player. He's a baller, and they 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 can't afford to lose him. So you have the inner struggle of whether or not you should keep Carl or keep your all-star center. So. We shall. Carl gotta go, <laughs> man. But this is Carl's like what six month with them, and they already acting like he's acting like he's the supreme lead. Like brother, like you came in to help me. I didn't. I'm not here to help you get your division across. I'm here for you to help me, dog. Like that I'm talking about George and Demarcus. When you have a talent like Demarcus, you can't just trade that away for a little Okafor, like. Jaleel's going to be 19. It's going to take him about three years. And for those who read the reports, uh, they said that George Carl wants to trade him to Denver. I'll be damned. Oh, bro. Like, as much as Sacramento may not look like, you know, the greatest designation to play basketball, it's still in California. So if you tell me I'm going from Cali to Denver, Colorado, where it's cold all year round, Mostly, mm-hmm. I mean, dog, like, nah, man, like, you, you, you're not just going to trade me. So, teams that should be looking at him, every team should be looking at DeMarcus Cousins. Every team has to be calling. Every single team. And then the Kings said that they don't even want their pick. This is one of the most, like, just haphazard franchises I've ever seen. Because, one, they said that they don't even really want their pick at number seven because they're not in love with no prospects there. Then they said they want to trade DeMarcus and Macklemore and uh, Rudy Gay, you realize these, these are pieces that could help out, that could give another dimension to teams. Like, uh, can you imagine DeMarcus Cousins on a Wizards team? That would be reuniting with John Wall, and they have the pieces to move for DeMarcus Cousins. You realize what DeMarcus and Isaiah Thomas could do with the Celtics? That would give them another dimension to be a probably 45-plus win team. You realize what he could do with Carmelo Anthony in New York? You realize what he, he could do with any team? Dallas, San Antonio, they have all, a lot of teams have pieces to move for him. So if the Kings want to trade the market straight up, number two, 
and uh, I think they said talking about Julius Randle and number two for DeMarcus mm-hmm. Cousins, the Kings are getting robbed. The Kings are absolutely getting robbed. Julius Randle's not, you know, a certain thing coming off of a broken leg his 11 minutes into his NBA career. Jalil Okafor is not a certain thing, just as, like, all those draft picks are. So you have a certain thing in DeMarcus Cousins. You better be getting a King's ransom if you're the Sacramento Kings. No pun intended. So you have to, if you're going to trade this guy, you have, you have to get the, everything in the kitchen sink back for him. Because you're not just going to trade me for nothing to a bad team. I don't even want want to go to because the market signed three years a- extension, and he said he likes Sacramento. It's just that he wants to he wants a coach who's going to teach him to be better, and he wants teammates around him that are going to go there with him. He can't be the only great player on that squad, and they caught a bad break with Darren Collison getting hurt. And the, the market when he went out, can already said it in that video. They went well, like what, like one and five. He's valuable yeah, to that team. That, yeah. that, that team might be a number one pick in the lottery if they don't have the Marcus. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. I'm 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 showing here that according to this ticker, we got six minutes. Um, it's so I mean, and it's so much. We 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 could we could get into and, and I wanted to get into the Steve. Did y'all want to get into the Steve Kerr, Mark Jackson stuff? Conversation. I got a phone question. I'm sorry. Both two people said something at the same time. What'd you say? No. What happened? What what, what conversation? Well, I was going to ask about 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 Mark Jackson. Do you think? Well, I guess what the biggest question I had was, and I'll start first with you people. What was the biggest? I mean, because we knew that Steve Kerr had inherited a great team. Uh, this was a team that got bounced out early in the playoffs last year. Uh, and to be honest, and we talked about it during the, 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 the uh, as far as the predictions, this time last year we were predicting San Antonio to, to repeat. So mm-hmm. look, a, a year later, look at what we're looking at. We're looking at a Golden State team that is young, athletic, and you know everybody should be back. So what's the what? How is it that? They were able to get over the hump with Steve Kerr. I guess that's the question I'm asking. You know, not Jack. I think, um, yeah, it, it, it's if you watch basketball, you see that this team is different than the Mark Jackson team offensively. What Mark Jackson did was he he was able to progress the talent that was drafted there. Um, and then he was able to establish a foundation of defense. Forever, Golden State was known as, as an offensive team. I think almost their entire existence. Mark Jackson was the reason why they're known for defense. And then what happened was Steve Kerr was able to maintain that level of defense and get them at a higher level of offense. And I think that was the difference between the two. Just their offensive philosophy. You know, you're talking about okay. a point guard that dominated the ball, played pick and roll. He played under Pat Riley and Larry Bird. And his whole career, that's what he did. That is what he believes in. That's how he won games. You give me a point guard and a big man, and we're going to win some games. That's Mark Jackson's philosophy. Steve Kerr, on the other hand, played off the ball, was a role player, wasn't a starter in the league. You know what I'm saying? Played in great systems. Played for some of the greatest coaches. 
he has a little bit more depth to his offensive system, and that's the difference. You know what I'm saying? That's, I think, what really put them over the top. I think that with Mark Jackson, Steph Curry gained the confidence of an MVP, but what Steve Kerr's offense did was allow him to flourish as a scorer. We, we knew that he could shoot, but there's a difference between being a shooter and a scorer and a point guard. But what Steph Curry was able to transform this year was into just a lethal score. You know, obviously he has the point guard ability. I'm not taking none of that away. But what makes him scary is that three-point shot and how he gets mm. it. Definitely, definitely, man. It's going to be crazy. What about you, Q? What, what do you think was diff- that he did differently from Steve Kerr? Um, from what I've been reading about the whole um, firing of Mark Jackson, it was very unfair the way they did him. Uh, but that's not the question. The question is, what did they do differently? They gave Steve Kerr the reins. And I think him and Alvin Gentry made an amazing pair. And I'm waiting to see uh, how Steve Kerr you. responds. I'm waiting to see if he can win without Gentry. That's all I, that's all I want to see because a lot of people were saying that Gentry was calling up a lot of those genius offensive plays. Steve Kerr was just, you know, kind of tweaking them a little bit. So I want to see if they can win. But they gave him the reins to be a GM also to go and get guys. And he didn't have Sean Livingston last year. He didn't have – I don't think they had most Spades. I don't think they had him. And a couple other guys that, you know, were – Inserted in the starting lineup, they took bench roles, and he's smart for that. But Mark Jackson, I still say he could have got to a Western Conference Finals if they had the pieces that they had this year. But I don't know if they could have won it all if Steve Kerr wasn't there. But that's no disrespect to Mark Jackson. I still think he's a great coach, and he's going to find work in this league very soon. Round it out, Ken. Your Your take on it, man. Um, defense. I, I just go back to what people said, man. They they can score, but their change in defense philosophy made a difference for them this year. Um, and a few of their offense. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that was uh, first in defense and offense. Uh, you know, we saw the threes, but I mean, you got to keep in mind this team was first in, in defense and offense. I think that. That I don't know that that necessarily gets recognized enough, and I think the, you know that even going back to what they did defensively, or at least they attempted to do defensively versus Cleveland. Now, of course, Cleveland was shorthanded, but um, you know I think Kerr made the right moves. I I give I give a lot of props to Mark Jackson for even being able to sit through that. <laughs> I mean, that's like going, you know, watching going to your your, your ex girl's you know wedding. And she just ride off into the sunset with the new dude. He's just sitting. Yeah, man, that's terrible. I, I mean, mm-hmm. and he could have. Bro, that's like going to Seven Eleven, right? And you're like, should I buy a ticket? And you're like, nah, I'm not gonna buy a ticket. And then the next dude who comes up, yo, I want it all. And you're like, my right. lucky day. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be. I, I feel for him. I mean, I think he did a great I job. Really do. I think he did a great job. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I give Kerr all the props in the world. And I give Mark Jackson a lot. Of, and, and I love the fact that they gave 
that the, the the players, you know, acknowledged him on the sidelines, and they, a lot of them came up to him and gave him hugs and things of that nature. Um, when it was all said and done, because they recognized, and and even Steph, you know, recognized him in his post game uh, comments and things of that nature. I think that's that, that speaks volumes about Mark, and I think Mark Jackson's biggest beef was with management. It wasn't the players, and. Um, he handled it with class, man. I I don't know if we'll ever find out what actually happened. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. How much time do we crazy. have? Um, we can actually keep talking, but what I what I'm showing now is that it's no longer recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we're going to so, end, end this. But last, yeah, like to answer your question real quick, they were saying that Mark Jackson, the reason why he got fired. I guess this is kind of like an, an X file type of situation. Where anybody hearing us? Um, the reason why Mark Jackson had got fired was because that he had planned for the Warriors uh, to the, he had organized with Doc Rivers to walk off the court during that whole um, you know the Donald Sterling thing, and mm-hmm. the Warriors at up to that point had not been in love with Mark Jackson's work rotations and the way he ran an offense, and even though he's known as an offensive coach. And and he's also known as a defensive coach. He's on both sides, but he wasn't in love with the rotations in the offense. And he was very adamant on giving a statement and standing up against, you know, the owners of the league saying that you all had to take responsibility. He was going to be very outspoken, basically. And that's Mm -hmm. the rumor that everyone says. So they fired him because he was, you know, trying to, you know, be too much of an activist when he's trying to be, you know, they just want him to be a coach. Wow. And, and I heard that there was rumors about, you know, the fact that they didn't want Mark Jackson to do the traveling thing because he was pastoring his church and this and that. I mean, like, yeah. I, I just didn't like the way that, obviously, there was a dissolution in their relationship, but I didn't like the way they kind of threw a little dirt on him on the way out the door. And we'll yeah. never a full story. And, and I think he, Classic. again, I think he handled it with class. Uh, he handled it a whole, a whole lot better than I would. Man, have. I wouldn't even have showed up. Because <laughs> I would have been secretly rooting for LeBron to win. And I mean, who knows? Strange things have happened. So we could have a situation where Black gets fired and Mark Jackson ends yeah. up in Cleveland. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah, stranger things have happened, man. Stranger things have happened. Before we go, before we go, I'm sorry. Before we go, this is the last thing. I just last thing. I had to ask y'all this. A lot of y'all older dudes, people still kind of young. Uh, so I guess I'm directing this maybe towards the two oldest. Did you all see what Diddy did? And have y'all ever gotten that yeah. mad at a coach for talking to y'all son or talking to one, one of your you know, sons? You know, just have you ever gotten that mad at a coach where you had to go on the field and like, yo, did you say that to my son? Did you just do that to my to, to my kid, to my daughter? Have y'all ever gotten that mad at a coach? Uh, um, well, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know what? We should roll that over to next week, but. <laughs> um, did did he too old for this shit, man? Um, yeah. <laughs> he is. He 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 has to be better 48. than this. Like, come on, man. And then to claim self defense, the fuck out of here. 
Yeah, I, I think um, I think the prob- problem is, man, is that first and foremost, man, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Puff Jr. play. He's not that good. Yeah, three uh, tackles in four years. I looked his stats up. And that, he's trash. And Q, that Q, that's on special teams. He has, he has, I don't think he's played a down <laughs> oh of, of real football. Um, so therein lies the problem. This guy's playing. He's playing special teams, and he's not that good. I mean, he, he could be a great kid, but he's not that good. I, it, I put it like this. I, I, I watched film on him when he announced that he was going to UCLA. And I did not see a Division One football player. I saw possibly a guy who could probably start at FAMU, maybe. But he, yeah. and he's small. He's not big. Oh, okay. He could probably start at FAMU or Howard. But UCLA? Nah, bro. Nah, not at all. And, and I get it. I understand. Now, conversely, Snoop's son, uh, who plays wide receiver, uh, he played at one of the best high schools in the country as far as football. He's kind of nice. He's not fast, but he's a very good possession receiver, catches the ball well. He doesn't really get out of his routes that well, but that's something he can learn at the time. Kind of lanky, just like his dad, but he has the potential. Could he be in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, it depends on what happens. Um, but anyway, getting back to Diddy, man. Or, well, I can't call him Diddy. Puffy. Getting back to Puffy. Puffy's too old for this shit, man. For real. I mean, like... <laughs> They're co- and, and oh people, you know, you know from coaching and Ken, you you're gonna see this, especially as your sons get older, and you know if you start coaching, there's always a parent who thinks that their child is better than what they really are, and you have to you have to be realistic and say, you know what, my kid ain't that good, or, or and there's no and there's no not in in the child not being that good, but I think just from the reports that I've read, they said that. Puffy Jr. had missed some workouts, and this particular coach was was riding him because when he came back to workout, he was dogging it. Now you know if you dogging it, the coach gonna be on your tail. I mean that that goes without saying. So I mean for and, and a parent never show up. I mean I, what a parent is doing at practice, conditioning practice, I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, first of all. I mean, <laughs> why, why would you show up with your child running wind sprint? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, oh yeah, God. man. I'm too old for that, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's way too old for this shit. 48 hitting people with kettlebells. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, I mean, that's an assault. You, now you're looking at a case. Another case you got to yeah. fight. Mm. So, what's your take on it, people? People said that? He's on the screen. Might be. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he fell asleep. But um but yeah, man, I, I'm not that, man. I'm, Yeah, Puff Puff need to he need to go sit down somewhere, man, for real. I mean he's no, just no, I mean Go ahead, Griffey Puff. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 my bad. Something wrong with my Bluetooth. Something wrong with my Bluetooth. Oh, but no, yeah, no. I think I think I think Puffy tripping, man. Um <laughs> you know, cause you you right. Like as a coach, there was a, there was a quite a few. Like my first year coaching, I had a deep team. I had like twelve or thirteen players, and some of the parents started getting mad because some of their kids wasn't playing. I'm like, yo man, do you see this competition out here? I'm trying to win. What you trying to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right, right, so, right. Yeah, man. And, and 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 
especially when a kid isn't doing what he's supposed to do. The coach is doing what he's supposed to do. And as a parent, you need to understand that this is his job, and if his boss is getting on him, you have no place because this is his job. This this, this is, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in college, yeah, you're not really getting paid for it, but, but come on, like, you generate money. This is your job. It is your job to stay in shape and to go to school and to be in tip-top condition. You know what I'm saying? That's your job. And if that's not what you're doing, as a coach, I am your boss, and I am going to right. get on you. You know what I'm saying? So as a parent, you need to understand that. And then the thing is, is that, if you felt some type of way, you don't attack it in a violent manner. Just understand that that's part of, you know, the environment. And I need to talk right. to you as a man. Be like, hey, look, man, look, I, I felt like you might have disrespected or you, you disrespected my son or whatever like that, and I don't appreciate you coming at him that way. I, I know you need to ride him, but don't do X, Y, Z, because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. That, I, I, I felt offended by that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the way that you handle it as a mature adult. But, you know, you don't, you don't put hands on nobody, man. Come on, man. Like, yeah, man. Well, the person you need to put hands on is your son, because he ain't exactly. doing what he's supposed to do. Exactly. Three tackles. Exactly. And 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 if Puffy can't see that as a father, not just a father, but you know, just as a talent evaluator, and say, okay, you know what, I see him dogging it. You know, I, and I and I and I go back to I was watching. I don't know if y'all saw the the uh, that Snoop and his son's reality show. I'm not really big on reality shows, but I watched that that mm-hmm. show and there was a situation where the coach wanted to sit him down because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And Snoop's son came to him like, Dad, he can't, he can't sit me down. Snoop's like, hey, man, he a coach. I ain't got nothing to do with it. My coach you step the game that, up. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, what exactly. you going to do about it? You going to sit here? And I love that. I love that from Snoop. Snoop was like, look, man, yeah, I, yeah, I'm the reason why you're here. Everybody knows you're Snoop's son, you know, but that's the coach. And Snoop never approached the coach and saying, like, yo, you shouldn't sit him down. I mean, He's going to hurt his college chance or anything like that. He took it as a man. Bro, you better be thankful that your son is even getting attention from the coach when he got three tackles in four years. I mean, come on, son. Like, that's not, that's not you know, you, usually those, those are, like, when a coach is paying you attention, it's usually because he wants you to get better. So it's like if you are – a guy who's just you know off to to the side and oh go go somewhere and play somewhere just to do some drugs by yourself. Those are the guys that the coach don't even want to look at. Those guys that he, he has no hope for. So maybe Diddy, first of all, I ain't gonna do Puff man. Puff hasn't had a good eye for talent since Big died. So you know what I'm saying maybe <laughs> he hasn't. I mean he signed Danny Kane in day 26, and I ain't heard of him since. So maybe he don't know his son is bad, bro, because he's obviously hey, going there. They right. were talented, though. Who they, who they 26? <laughs> did you buy day 26 album? Yeah, I did. They, I they were really talented. I can't name four Danny Kane. They were good. Yeah, they, were, they had a little bit of talent, bro, but ever since, like, I'm, I'm not saying that they were bad, but did he in the past in the past? Yeah, he did. Diddy doesn't look at everybody. Where the hell is Machine Gun Kelly? Where the hell is MGK at? I haven't heard of that nigga since uh, the Wild Boy song. Where the hell is where the hell he he been at? Hey, man. Where, where if, is if you want to If you want to kill your career, man, go to Bad Boy. Is, is Bad Boy where is a anymore? No, 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 no. They, 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 they are no longer a business. I think they're okay. management okay. now. Aren't they strictly management? It's not even the record. I don't know what they are. Now. They are they yeah. are on a record label no more. Cause I want to. I want to. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. 
Well, where's Craig Mack? <laughs> Craig Mack out here representing aliens. Like, what? Like, what's Man. going on with Shiny? Shiny's in Israel. Like, day 26 out here working at McDonald's. The only Man, one who prospered was uh, those two black girls. I, you know, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what it is about his evaluation. And I mean, and then think about it like this, man. Look, look what kind of position he puts in. His, put, he's put his son in there. Now his son got to go back to that team, and he's got to sit down with the coach. You know, Puffy's already made some donations to UCLA. Don't get it twisted. I'm pretty sure UCLA has a nice endowment check for about 200 grand. So. You know, obviously, just like any other thing, it, you know, when you pay the money, you're going to want your kid to play, but it don't work like that. They got to mm-hmm. put kids out there on the field that can, can help you. You sell it. They're trying to win. They're not just trying to win the Pac-10. They're trying to win a national title. And if you want to hide uh, uh, Puffy Jr., put him on special team. Put him on the kickoff team. Put him on, you know, the, the, the extra point team. I'm on practice squad. Obviously, he needs to be on practice squad. He's getting three tackles. I mean, I mean but, like there's you know, certain football. things that you don't do as a as a coach and as a parent. I mean, as a coach, we, we all know that you don't you know push or punch the kids or call them derogative terms or whatever. Like you like you like you don't do stuff like that. As a player, you some players actually like you know the corporal punishment type of coaches where they want them you know to push them to their to their potential, where they want them to yell at them and call them names, because it, it gets them hyped up. That's that's, that's, that's the type of coach that um uh, name uh dude, uh Pat Riley was for the Knicks. Pat Riley would drill them in practice. You know what, Every man? At the end of the practice. day, at the end of the day, you need somebody to keep it. I, I never forget. I we had a coach when I was in college. He <laughs> he told Coach Baylor. He told his kid. He said straight up. He said, "Hey, man." He said he looked at, and he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just being honest. He, he looked this kid dead in his face. He wasn't. It wasn't during practice or anything. He said, "Son," he said, "I, I suggest that you transfer." And the dude looked at him like, "What?" Well, he said, "He said you will never play as long as I'm coaching. Never." Damn. And he said it. He said, "He said you're not good enough to play here." He said, "And you will never touch the field as long as I'm coaching you. I promise you that." He said, "I don't have nothing against you personally." He said, "I think you're a great guy." He said, "But you will not touch the field as long as I'm here." And the kid didn't. He, did never he even stay. I mean, did he no. stay? No. Oh my god. He stayed for that semester. And he left. Damn. But he was telling the truth, and I mean, and I think I mean, you got to, man. You gotta be honest. You got to. Like, man, you, you can't, can't let no player look out there like, like like an idiot. I mean, you can't be an idiot out there just, you know, jacking up terrible shots or missing kicks or missing tackles and think that you're the, you know, the best player since, you know, so and so. But you know, as a as a as a man, did he just he just wilded out for no reason? Like, dude, all dude was doing was was yelling at his son, saying that you're not doing the play right. You're not doing. Matter of fact, get, get in the back of the line. Matter of fact, do some push ups right now. Give me ten. And did his hold up, man. You know, you know who my son is. You know who I am. And he comes out over with a kettlebell and just like just goes full Game of Thrones on him for no reason. And the coach is like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Like, I'm just trying to coach his, his son." And then Diddy wants to get on social media saying that I was attacked. I felt like my, you know, my child and my man who was being tested. Unless you being called, you know, certain names or touched inappropriately, you have no grounds to even, in my opinion, touch a coach. Like, 
barely even yelling at a, at a, at a coach is one thing. But if you have to hey, have man. a conversation. That lead that street shit Bro, like you, like he's forty eight hitting people with kettlebells. He's forty eight smacking Drake in clubs. <laughs> like, like he's out here. He's really out here in these streets. Like, apparently, even though we know he's not. So it's like you have to keep it real with certain kids and be like, "Yo, Puffy Junior, dog, you've been missing tackles four years. You've been here. You haven't made a big hit once. Your your three hits have been on just terrible plays he's that the, the other team. guy made." Exactly. All he is, he's just on the team. He's he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's just on the training team. Camp. Just on the He's just on the team. I feel bad for him though, man, because we all know that one guy who just couldn't get it. Yeah, couldn't get it. And, and you know what? Maybe that's not their sport. Maybe it's just you know. And maybe you just some. I mean, you guys know, man. Some sometimes that's a, that's as good as you're gonna get. Some guys are high school is as good as they're gonna get. Sometimes college is as good as they're gonna get, and they're not gonna get any better. And that's where they are. And you have to just kind of take it for what it is and keep going. Yeah. That's it, man. That's a wrap. Two, man. Thanks for filling in for B, man. Yeah, man. Of course, man. Got y'all. Hey, Brady about to get off, too, man. That's some bullshit. Man, that's that bull, man. We'll we'll address this later, but yeah, man. I hope not. Brady about to get off from this shit. I don't like the way they're talking about it. They're talking about, like, He's either about to get off or get two games. I, I think he's going to get two games, but he might not get. If he he may have to take it to court. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, we got plenty to talk about next week, but this shit come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. Well, it was good, fellas. Good to be back. All right, bro. Hey, get some medicine, man. I'll let y'all. Yeah, yeah. Just kill him. I'm to go to bed. You just got right, yeah. everything. I'm out. Peace. Peace. All right, man. We'll holler. Peace. I ain't tell you to turn the TV off. I'm about to watch TV.